And here we stumble upon a pair of stoners in their natural habitat. Notice the red eyes and laid-back demeanor. Now it looks like they're going to talk to each other. Let's listen in. Well, welcome back to rambling quarantine. <laughs> rambling stoners. Like, Naomi's just sat here pointing at me, like, get the name of the show right this time. Um, oh, Jesus Christ, I'm peeking already. Uh, let me just tweak. It's been a while. It's a bit rough around the edges again. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so sorry for the, the prolonged absence here, but uh, in our absence, the world fucking burned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as the guy, uh, you guys out there that follows uh, follows on Facebook will know, this is a bit of a kind of like one-off special episode thing. We have no bungle. No bungle at all. No bungle at all this time around. So um, the reason for that is largely due to the current world situations made it a little bit hard for us to, despite being confined to house and things, um, it's made things a little bit more challenging just in general because there's mm-hmm. a lot going on, especially for Bungle, whose partner is um, a health worker. Yeah. Um, so things are quite stressful for her, obviously, at the moment. So, you know... Um, it's just been a bit of a juggling act, but we will be coming back to you very shortly. We've got um, we've got some recording planned with, uh, I, or I have some recording planned with Bungle over the Easter weekend break. Um, so hopefully we should be getting a show out to you just after the Easter weekend um, with more of our just usual rambling goodness. We'll talk probably a bit more about the world pandemic thing. Um, you're allowed to say coronavirus, right? Like, yeah, we're, we're like not, YouTube, we're we're not like... yeah, you can't say coronavirus or, co- <laughs> or as the wrestling community are calling it, Steve, Steve Carino. Carino. <laughs> I feel that's unfair on Steve Carino. I like to. Ho- I don't think I, he's I ho- done anything wrong. No, I mean I like Steve Carino. I'm hoping <laughs> that he's seen the the humor in it mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so, um, as I said on the show, uh, so not on the show on the Facebook page, the what we're doing this this time round is uh, well. Me and Amy are going to be bringing you the promised Chuck Tingle book review, <laughs> um, which we're going to do in the second half of the show, and we figured um, since. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the world, yeah. how how things are here in the Netherlands, um, and then we're going to do a over a look over to uh, talk about generally combat, like a little bit about MMA and predominantly about WWE and WrestleMania, a little bit of AEW. So if you're if you're a wrestling fan, you'll get some 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 enjoyment out of this. Um, this is all kind of also kind of a bit of a litmus test because me and Naomi have we're big wrestling fans, we're huge wrestling mm-hmm. fans. And we've talked often about, you know, we we spend a lot of our time watching wrestling and talking about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So we've all, we've often thought about doing a wrestling podcast just the two of us. Um, so this is kind of a litmus test for that as well. It's going to be a very high level look at uh, predominantly focusing on uh, no fans mania thirty six or, yeah. or WrestleMania thirty six, which was uh, for those that don't know. 
uh, WWE, biggest wrestling promotion in the world, uh, formerly WWF, everyone knows The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all that kind of stuff. Um, they Their biggest marquee event of the year is always WrestleMania. Uh, usually, um, uh, over the past like 10 years or so, it's uh, been historically booked in uh, huge stadiums, mm-hmm. you know, with like 40 to 80,000 capacity. Yeah. So it's their biggest event of the year. It's a hugely huge money draw. It has... Um, uh, lots of indie events surrounding it in the week leading up to it it's just generally it's like a kind of a festival of wrestling it's become a wrestling festival thing you know whatever town it's in is generally taken over by uh wrestling fans and other smaller promotions and it's it's a really big deal in the wrestling community obviously because of the current uh pandemic situation that couldn't take place and uh we'll we'll talk a little bit actually about the lead up to what happened but the end result was their biggest show of the year was pre-taped at their the wwe's performance center which is like their they have a, a it's like a finishing school for wrestling well it's a, it's a training it's a, tra- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a wrestling training academy based in uh florida mm. um and it's when when they sign new talent they generally go there for some training to, to be taught because wwe has a kind of house style of wrestling so they go, they go there to be taught you know the the little odds and ends of how wwe like to do sports entertainment because but WWE don't do wrestling; they do sports <laughs> entertainment. Let's be very clear on this one. Um, so yeah, that's that. So they recorded it there in front of nobody, mm. with you know, as we'll as we'll go over mixed results. Yeah, like it wasn't complete. It wasn't a complete failure. It was. It, they tried well, some different things. Well, obviously, we will talk about it more. We'll but talk, yeah, it was. It was. It. It was interesting. Beat my expectations. It, the first night definitely did. Mm. But we'll come on to that. So first off, let's 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 rewind 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 and start with the current world situation first off i hope you're all keeping safe out there i hope you're all respecting social distancing rules and i hope you're all not going fucking stir crazy (laughs) or finding ways to entertain yourself as best you can Mm -hmm. lock down um i'm hoping this is providing you with some form of a brief escapism and entertainment as well um so uh for us here in uh the netherlands it's been uh a bit of a a wonky it was a bit it's of a wonky a, yeah, a weird thing probably similar to the uk you know like in terms of looking at what europe as a whole is doing similar to the uk and that they didn't want to go into extreme lockdown measures early on there was you know the talk of herd immunity and all that kind of thing yeah um but then because people can't be trusted <laughs> they have had to kind of introduce more severe measures like i know there were people coming across the border from belgium to use the restaurants and bars because in belgium they'd already closed everything down yeah um so that was early that was in march at some point and i think things like that led to the stricter measures that we're seeing now well i mean the lockdown here kind of really kicked in just after so um just in march we had um like my best friend lizzie uh and her partner shay came to stay with us and we yeah, went to a bear yeah. concert which was fantastic mm. but it was pretty much the, the the kind of lockdown started to come into effect pretty much as soon as they left. Yeah, yeah. Because I my first day back in work, I showed up and everyone was like, "Yeah, get your stuff and go home." Because mm-hmm. uh, my company has closed its offices pretty much across the globe now, uh, and because you know we're we're a software company and we can all work remotely, so that's what we've been doing for several weeks yeah. now. Uh, mm-hmm. The days are kind of bleeding into yeah. one. And it's- yeah, by the end of that week, my team had decided we were going to work from home, and yeah. then the government announced the you know if you can 
and you should, yeah. the restaurants and are closing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's basically all non-essential businesses mm-hmm. are closed. Um, uh, so, yeah, very similar to a lot of other places in the world. Um, it's been a, the really wonky here because obviously we've, we're on, the, the way the government's approaching things here is that, A, they're only testing severe like mm-hmm. people with severe symptoms so if you're asymptomatic or you've just got mild symptoms you're self-isolating you're not really getting tested so the numbers of reported cases coming out of the netherlands is probably somewhat off to yeah. be gen- to be kind yeah. and i think again that's probably similar for a lot of countries yeah um, um, one thing that's really kind of noticeable with the netherlands figures is we have when compared to other peer countries we have a very high mortality rate which we don't know the reasons for and i'm not going to begin to speculate mm. here because we don't know and we probably won't know until like lots of analysis have been done like years after this is yeah, finished yeah. really um but Yes, right now, if you look at our statistics, we're around 20,000 reported cases. Mm. Um, but our mortality rate is some is is much higher than places like Belgium, Germany. Germany yeah. You know, we, we've got something like six... Is it, is it, it's either 2,000 or 6,000 deaths. I think yeah, it might I be two... I can't remember the exact figures now, but... I, should, I, I'm, I You know, I don't want to misquote the numbers, but the, the mortality rate is much, much higher when compared to um, our... Uh, like peer com- peer countries such as Belgium, obviously Germany's kind of an, uh, almost an exception in that they have a, an ex- exponentially low yeah. mortality um, rate. As of yesterday, let's see, uh, death toll is now over two thousand. Okay, the number of yeah, cases I, is almost actually, twenty thousand. So the exact case, two thousand two hundred and forty eight deaths, um, which puts us really high up in the uh, in the rankings of death totals. Which is odd as take well off- because it, Netherlands is a, is a slightly younger population than a lot of countries I've been theorising obviously we're a very heavy smoker country mm. because a lot of people smoke weed here um, so I'm wondering if that that kind of impairment on the lungs is, ha- is having I mean yeah, again this again, is pure speculation we're not, not scientists not scientists not medical professionals this is pure you know home doctor like <laughs> hypothesis we just gossip mongers <laughs> yeah so I'm not trying to I'm not trying to like say yeah. oh if you smoke you're going to die nothing like that please don't don't read anything into that I'm just theorising and thinking mm. out loud more I think like you say it's it's going to be a few years down the line before there's any kind of definitive yeah Yeah. and i think studies published on this the main things that we really need to like i do want to drive home is please don't pay attention to fucking bullshit conspiracy theories like 5g masts are not causing coronavirus bill gates and is not did not cause coronavirus (laughs) the chinese it's not a chinese bioweapon um and also while you should not listen to conspiracy theories, you should also not listen to Donald Trump. He's a fucking moron who like doesn't know. I know, but he is a fucking moron who doesn't know what he's talking about and will and is going to get people killed. Yeah. That's just a fact. The guy is going to go down in history as a fucking abomination of a world leader. The the single worst president in the entire history of that country. Mm. I literally think the only way you could go get get a worse president is if you in, uh, uh, elected a fucking duck. No, I think a duck would be better. Yeah, I mean, the duck wouldn't be racist. Like, on, on every level, a <laughs> yeah. duck would be more competent than yeah. Donald Trump. He could even stand up straight. Yeah. 
Um, but so that's that's kind of where the world is right now. I mean, we're in like I think we were saying like week four or five of lockdown. Four. Yeah. It's hard, honestly. It's it's hard to tell. I don't even know what day it was when I woke up this morning. No, so I mean, you know, but the, it has been a shitter of a week. Like yeah, we've 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 been back and forward from the vets this week because a, a certain little cat wanted to get herself she stuck her face in something she shouldn't have uh our young our youngest cat nara so we've been back and forwards getting she had a fever and an abscess and uh <laughs> it's a whole big it's saga. a whole big thing yeah uh but she, rest assured our cat is doing she seems to be doing much better today and we've just had a load of blood just, literally just before we started recording mm-hmm. had the phone call from a vets to give the all clear across all the blood tests and everything so she is just being a little shit now yeah uh, she wasn't eating was the big concern but it seems to be that she, yeah she's just, she's just being a shithead shit yeah. Uh, as cats tend to be. Yeah. Um, so with all the world events going on, mm-hmm. um, and as we were saying with the lockdown, this kind of brings us into the, the the story of WrestleMania and the lead up to WrestleMania. And let's talk about, um, so the three big combat like wrestling, the, the companies we're going to talk about mostly in this, this, this general discussion outside of actually just running through the WrestleMania card um, are AEW. Uh, for those that don't know, AEW is a relatively new uh, wrestling promotion, which is airing on TNT in the US every Wednesday night. Uh, it's also available worldwide via a subscription to AEW Plus on Fight TV. Yep. Um, it's being... It's owned by Tony Khan, who is a part of a billionaire family called the Khan family. They own uh, the Jag, the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars um, and Fulham FC. Fulham FC in yeah. the UK. Um, they, Tony Khan himself, has been a lifelong fan of wrestling. Um, he was a huge fan of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega from Ring of Honor and uh, New, New Japan, Japan. Um, and Cody Rhodes as well, who was a former WWE employee, son of Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, sorry, brother. <laughs> to Dustin Rhodes, who is also now in AOW. Some of you may better know him as Goldust. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the, I'm not going to go through the forma- the history of the formation <laughs> of AOW, but basically he took some very, very key the, uh talent from outside the the wrestling world outside of WWE arguably some of the best wrestlers mm. in the world definitely one of the top two wrestlers in the world in Kenny yeah. Omega and definitely the uh, he's got they've got the best tag teams in the world I think mm. in, in the Lucha Brothers uh, Ray, the Pe- Ray Phoenix yeah. um, Pentagon and the Young Bucks and they've got they have got some fantastic it's a talent great talent ball uh, they really do and they've got some really new, exciting, and young talent that they're growing. So that they, as with most wrestling, like all the major wrestling shows, they air live every week. So obviously, as the the bans and the restrictions came into place, they switched to um, having no fan shows, and things kind of like really started to. Um, uh, accelerate so like AEW had some bigger TV shows planned. They had a what's they're calling Blood and Guts, which is basically it's a war games match. And what war games is is you have two wrestling rings with a cage around the ring, uh, uh, and it, it's it's a big event match. And they were building to that, but they they cancelled that and they've postponed it uh, until things are better. But they did switch to running no fan shows and uh, rebooking their shows and uh, running from. Uh, the Jacksonville, the arena that... Is it the, called the Daily, Daily's Daily, Place? Daily's yeah. Place, which is owned by the Cons and it's mm. based in Jacksonville. Um, and they were able to run there with no fans and minimal staff and try and minimise the risk to talent. And Tony Khan immediately said, like, any talent that doesn't want to work and doesn't want to travel, don't worry, please... Do stay home. You, stay yeah. home, stay safe, do what you only do what you feel comfortable doing. Mm. Um 
likewise WWE I don't think they they gave that kind of statement but they did switch to running from uh slowly it took it took them a lot lo- a, a lot longer and um, we'll come into this when we talk about WrestleMania but they switched to from running like uh, the bigger arenas for Raw and SmackDown and uh running full sale uh for NXT which is their show that they run directly uh, uh, to oppose AEW mm. um for those of you who know the Monday night wars from WCW <laughs> and uh, WWF were we've now got the Wednesday night wars with AEW <laughs> and WWE NXT. It's, little, it's quite fun. It, it's a little less bloodthirsty, I think. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it is quite fun because uh, AEW is airing on TNT, which was the channel that used to air WCW Nitro yeah. back in the day. So Ted Turner's back in the Back in the wrestling business. Um, but anyway, we're coming back to... So in terms of um, AEW, they, they still have a pay-per-view planned for May, uh, which hasn't been officially postponed or cancelled as of yet because they're waiting to see what happens at the end of uh, April. But it's very, very likely that that's going to have Mm. to be moved or shot in a no-fan. We don't know. We just don't know. And I I don't want to speculate on behalf of AEW. Uh, But in regards to WrestleMania, so the original plan for WWE was that they were going to be running in... It was Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. I can't remember the name of the actual arena. But... Um, I can't remember either. So I can probably find out, actually, because mm-hmm. I have the, the page. I have the internet. Uh, I have the page for WrestleMania open in front of me. So it was originally... Um, um, I was just trying to find if it actually <laughs> makes... Uh, reference to it anywhere on the Might do. Is, there, is there like a build-up section or something like that uh i'm just looking at um impact the event is, oh the raymond james stadium in tampa right. there we go yeah um, i mean i don't know where that is or what it is or anything it's so... a very it's a big football stadium okay. i believe so it's it, it was about 60 to seventy thousand people mm. and wrestlemania attracts people from all over the world and like i say it, it, it also attracts all smaller wrestling companies running that put on events in the same town because the the overflow business there is really big Mm. um now where it got really sketchy is um the stay the stay in place and the shutdown of uh, business orders started happening across uh tampa uh, across the u.s uh with tampa bay uh in the the weeks leading up to about four weeks prior Mm. so this is about eight weeks prior to actually mania happening um it looked, you know, to all rational people from the outside world, it looked like, okay, no, they're going to have to postpone yeah. WrestleMania or, you know, probably not cancel, but put it off until yeah. after this event. Um, but there was this kind of weird game of chicken happening between the Tampa Bay government, like the local officials, um, and WWE. Tampa Bay officials, uh, the mayor, wanted were waiting for WWE to announce the cancellation, whereas WWE were waiting for their hand to be forced to 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 say it wasn't happening at the stadium. Uh, and this led up to this didn't you know the decision on this wasn't actually officially really made until about three or four three, weeks. Three four weeks out, yeah. Three or four weeks out from the event. And bear in mind this was impacting people across the globe who didn't know what their travel plan should be, mm. if they should be looking to get refunds on uh, plane tickets. Yeah, well, and talent as well. And yeah. talent as well. It was, it was, um, it was a really, really 
kind of like sketchy, turbulent time for everyone involved in it. Um, and there is some speculation that WWE didn't want to be the one to pull the plug because it would have invalidated their insurance policy that they had on the event. Uh, likewise, Tampa Bay didn't want to pull the plug because it meant they'd have to pay yeah. out. Um, so it, it, it did lead to a very last minute decision. And everyone like... I know we differ on opinion on mm. this one slightly. I, send, I tend to side with Dave Meltzer in the thought that what they should have done is maybe done some kind of special event. Yeah. Like they could have done the, the WrestleMania that was, but not called it WrestleMania. Yeah, well, I mean, I think my, um, my take on it was not... I agree that they should have gone ahead, but it was more I can understand why they wanted to. I, I, I'm not saying it was the right call. I'm saying I get some of the thought behind it. I I I, I do in a sense that I understand Vince and Vince is crazy. Um, Vince McMahon being the owner of the company. But like my logical, rational brain that, you know, has just... You know, you know, I, I just a logical, rational thought is like, okay, you can because WWE's um, storytelling and booking is the wrestling term um, is shoddy, terrible. Long term booking is very non-existent. Yeah, non-existent because Vince has a very much a, a, a habit of ripping up scripts for shows on the night of the show, and they're being rewritten as they're going out live on air. It can be a shambles at times, um, but. They could have paid off these uh, the storylines that they've been building to for WrestleMania in 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 very much the same show that they had, just not put the WrestleMania yeah, brand. Yeah, they could over have it. done what they've been doing with some of the plans for the um, NXT Takeover Tampa Bay event, just which is just have them on the regular the, the weekly show. Yeah. Make it clear that these are big matches, but just and still, you could have yeah. you could have put on the same event and just not called it WrestleMania. Mm. What that would have allowed you to do is save that WrestleMania name, which has a lot of val- brand value attached to it, and then you can set some stuff up in line that the moment that this pandemic is over and we're able to have big events again and people what you put on wrestlemania and it's you get this you could you you would get this kind of like moment in history which could be really like a really nice like pr thing for if you look at it from a business standpoint for wwe and that yes after this global pandemic that put the world into chaos for so long the first big event that united people was WrestleMania. It got people traveling across the world, and it was this mm. big celebration of yes, we're out the I other think, side. Yeah, of I, 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 I think there's there's merit to that, but I think there's the counter arguments are you don't know when that is going to be. No, it could well just be next fucking WrestleMania at this point. This is true. People may be reluctant to travel. They may be unable to travel if they've lost jobs, had income affected. It just might not be a priority. And whatever the first big WWE event is, whenever it is, it's going to be a big deal regardless of the name. I still think it's less like, like, yes, less people may be able to travel, but more people are going to be inclined to travel Mm. for the WrestleMania name. If your first big event back is SummerSlam, yes, that does have some draw, Mm. but it doesn't have that kind of travel from all over the world draw. Now, at this point, before we start to go into what, actually took place as the WrestleMania event. We should probably talk about um I want to talk a little bit about the indie shows that were would have gone on around that and how that's impacted um independent wrestlers. So uh for those that don't know, in the wrestling scene you've got WWE and AEW and then some other overseas promotions, mainly New Japan, All Japan. These are your big companies that if you sign to, you're getting paid. And uh, generally, with the, the even though WWE treats its employee, uh, its talent as independent contractors, those contracts tend to have what's termed as a downside, which means even if you're not working, you get a base minimum payment. 
so you're still earning money like even if you're out with injury or things like that that's what it's generally there to cover for independent wrestlers that wrestle for multiple smaller own you know privately owned companies that are nowhere near the scale of WWE they're literally being paid on a kind of per show basis mm. so if they don't wrestle they don't work a lot of them make more money through their merch sales so if yeah. they're not at shows to sell merch yeah um, so what normally happens like you say around Wrestlemania is you'll have a lot of independent promotions um, promotions such as CZW ICW W um, uh, is it WEC no that, that was the MMA thing um, um well, there's some of the other ones that normally go on around there. You normally got like Joey Janela's oh, uh, yeah, puts yeah, on an event. Uh, um, spring, spring break. Spring people, break. Yeah. Um, you'd normally got uh, the Blood Sports. Blood Sports, uh, yeah. Who, who, um, uh, Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett's Blood Sport. You like, sort of sometimes like, get Japanese promotions yeah, sending people over. Uh, yeah. I mean, New Japan have been known to run events. Yeah, uh, I there. think didn't Stardom do something last year as well? Yeah, so yeah. you, um, but largely you'll get a lot of independent talent from across the world being booked for these shows. Um, there's some really like, is it, Sha- it was Shazam McKenzie, wasn't it? The Australian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, in her case, she had flown over to the United States with, like, about, you know, several weeks, if mm. not months worth of dates lined up uh, for wrestling events uh, of bookings. Got o- landed in the US basically just as all the shit hit the fan and the lockdowns happened and all the events got cancelled. So she got stuck in the US with no income, uh, not knowing if she could get back home. Um, and yeah, no, just completely left it adrift, really. And mm. this was the same for a lot of independent wrestlers. So as, at this point, actually... Um, I do want to say if any of you out there are wrestling fans and you do have independent wrestlers, it's really good. Now now is if you have some spare money, which I know not a lot of not a lot of you may do, but if you do have money, please go on uh, to Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah, find your find your wrestler find your favorite independent wrestler and buy a t-shirt. It's gonna help all of them out so mm-hmm. much right now. Um so yeah, that was that was the impact on the wrestling industry. It it threw them like most of the wrestling industry into chaos. I mean, mm. we were in Japan at the, as you know from listening to our previous show at the beginning of the year for New Japan's yeah. biggest show. And truth be told, we got very very ill while we were in Japan, and it's, it's we don't know for sure, but it's very likely it could have been uh, COVID-19 yeah, because uh, really we had all the, the, all the, all the symptoms, symptoms yeah. very bad cough. But obviously we weren't tested, so we can't um, confirm or uh, but there was, deny. <laughs> there was a large spread of people that got very ill that mm. went to, uh, to uh, Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. Um, and it was just as things were starting to explode in China and there was a lot, it, there was a lot of, uh, obviously, tourism coming from China around that time mm. to Japan because it just is a, a kind of peak tourism time between the two countries uh around the new year yeah um so yeah that so uh new japan um have they they cancelled all their shows they're still cancelling shows uh, japan has obviously now just gone into a state of emergency so new japan have just announced that they've cancelled all shows up until may 5th i think so uh, maybe even through uh, no no it's it's up until wrestling might have have cancelled through Uh, it's basically up until wrestling Mm. Taku. so may 4th and it's either third and fourth or fourth and fifth but basically everything up until in and including wrestling Taku uh, has been cancelled by New Japan. Um, so the wrestling world is in a complete state of flux. I mean, the um, we'll come on to we'll come on to what's happening with the the the, the two major promotions and uh, and UFC the MMA promotion because that I mean that's a little thing. To UFC talk about. is just going like full Dr. dystopian supervillain. 
plot, basically. We'll talk about it a little bit after we talked about the WrestleMania show and thoughts on that and so on. But just a little brief snapshot where Dana White, the owner of the UFC, is basically doing his best Dr. Evil impression. When when we talk about UFC, remind me to tell you about the book Escape from Dinosauria. Okay. I promise it's relevant. Okay. (laughs) So let's start. So as we said, everything came about. So instead of uh, postponing WrestleMania or cancelling it, what happened was uh, the WWE decided to uh, have the event uh, as as close to as planned as possible uh, in their performance center. Now this even this even got more complicated leading up to the event. One of the main marquee matches, uh, which was built in their another controversial show, which was one of their Saudi Arabia shows, um, an old WCW legend Goldberg came back and defeated the current champion uh, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. Um, who was one of the hottest things in their company, like new talent type thing, not new talent, but new idea kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the ma- the match that was being built for WrestleMania was Roman Reigns, who is the guy that Vince wants to be the top guy in, or did at least want to be one of the, if not the top guy in the face of the company. Uh, but the fans kind of rejected him. But then now they, oh, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> this is I, why we need our wrestling podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go into the details, but basically it was supposed to be um, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. And what you need to understand, Roman Reigns had re- has had a couple of cases of leukemia in his life and he's one of them was very very recent he's less than a year since he came yeah, back isn't it, it? yeah he he it was less than a year ago he just uh, won his second battle with leukemia so the guy's immunocompromised he decided a couple of weeks out from the event or about at least a week out from mm. the event that he didn't feel comfortable taking part and he wasn't going to be there WWE knew this, yet they continued to shoot angles and tout the match and did nothing to say until, like, basically the SmackDown before... Um, it was the go-home show, I think. The go-home show before WrestleMania. They yeah. basically just like, oh, yeah, by the way, Braun Strowman's now fighting Goldberg. No, explain nothing. It was Please just, don't ask us about Roman Reigns. Yeah. We have always been at war with East Asia. Goldberg was always fighting Braun. Like, please move on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, So there there were a lot of changes to the WrestleMania card that were happening very last minute. For example, The Miz, one of their uh, mid-card performers, he'd shown up. uh, He's part of, he was part, he's one half of their SmackDown Tab Team Champions with John Morrison. He he showed up to taping sick, not with COVID-19, but just sick in general, uh, which caused a lot of anger amongst the, the talent there, obviously, for, you know, valid reasons. He was sent home. So what was supposed to be a tag team ladder match became a singles match between... Well, a triple threat match between one member from each of the three teams. Yeah, it was supposed to be a triple threat tag team ladder match. But because... Miz couldn't wrestle they said okay um, they did some kind of injury angle to, uh, and said okay no he's it's just one half of each tag team going to be in a three way ladder match now um, even though they the, the, the angle that they shot for to explain Miz's injury ended with Miz and John Morrison standing tall and Miz clearly not injured yeah so I don't even know no if they sense. if they tried to play it as an injury angle at that yeah. time or if afterwards they were just like by the way he was injured yeah, please I don't mean, ask any questions like always just like believe what we tell you believe what we tell you um like they could have this is the thing wrestling is predetermined it's fake it's fake it's fake it's fake but it's it's it uh, because of that it can be the greatest thing in the world because it's fake and you can tell stories with it that's what makes it great 
if the storyteller is competent yeah. and not an insane 73 year old man. Yeah. Um, so going into the event, I'm going to run down. Um, the other thing that happened with the event, normally WrestleMania is a single night thing. What they decided to do uh, was actually split it across two nights for, I think it was because I, I, I do agree with this decision, watching what would have been like a seven hour empty arena show would have got old yeah. really quickly. I think as well, because it allowed them to, I, mean, I guess it meant that they had fewer people on uh, set at one, one time, time and they yeah. could control who yeah. was coming and going a bit more, I guess. Yes, there is that aspect of it as well. So it was a sensible decision all around for both presentation and safety reasons. Mm-hmm. It isn't So it aired across both uh, Mar- uh, April 4th and April 5th, but mm-hmm. it was it was pre-recorded and recorded like a week earlier. And what's even weirder is the role that follows... WrestleMania was recorded before WrestleMania. Yeah. So apparently <laughs> during apparently during during Raw you see the commentators and they're just not talking. <laughs> they're just sat there and they dubbed in the commentary afterwards. <laughs> it looks terrible. Um but so we what we got was a WrestleMania, which is the biggest wrestling event of the year, filmed in a tiny little building, mostly, <laughs> in front of nobody. Mm. Um, and they they hadn't actually learned some tricks that AEW had been doing with their um, their empty uh, arena empty arena show. They took one thing, which was moving the hard cam, which is like the main like steady cam, from looking at the side of the ring, so where you'd see seats, to being facing where the wrestlers would enter. So it, it it's less apparent that it's an empty arena. Mm. But what AEW have been doing is having some of their wrestlers sporadically placed around the edge of the ring, obviously keeping a safe distance yeah. to make, make it as safe as possible, but ch- making some cheering noise and just adding a little bit of atmosphere. And it works really well. Like it makes a little such bit a difference. of noise goes a long yeah. way. Um, so they never did that. So you did get these wrestling matches that were played to stone cold silence, mm. which made for some very interesting viewing. So it, like I say, it was broken down across two nights. Um, each night had a pre-show, which I'm going to tell you right we now didn't we didn't watch. watch. So we're only going to be talking about the main card and our thoughts on, we're not going to break down matches move for move. We're just going to give our general thoughts on the matches themselves, the outcomes, um, and whether we thought they worked in front of nobody. Mm. Um, so we start with night one. Uh, night one, oh, we open with um, the women's tag team championship match. Uh, now, um, the current tag team champions were two wrestlers called uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. Uh, they are legitimately two of the best female pro wrestlers in the world. They historically used to work for uh, Joshi, a female wrestling promotion in in Japan called Stardom. They are true legends of the business uh, against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, it was an okay match. It was fine. Like the one thing that obviously, so Japanese crowds are very quiet. Um, and obviously, so the Kyrie and Asuka have obviously got some experience working in front of quiet arenas. Yeah, they made, they made a lot noise, of noise, yeah. um, which definitely helped the match quite mm-hmm. considerably. It was it it did really help add a little bit of atmosphere. You know, Asuka was constantly jeering and she's shouting. She's really good in these empty arena environments, yeah. actually. You know, when she's been on commentary or just that. I mean, she just talks her, in Japanese yeah. as well. So unless you know Japanese, which yeah. we do a little bit, a little. Least. I mean, I understood when Squishy. Kyrie Sane called Alexa Bliss cute. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> my limit. But it, yeah, it makes it it really does make a difference when there's some noise other than the commentary or the sound yeah. of like a map being hit. Um, and uh, Kyrie and Asuka are really good at, at generating that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So this was a this was a good match. Um, there was there was a fair a fair bit of back and forth actually for for quite a while. Um, Kyrie and Asuka had the heat um, on on Nikki, and then um, Nikki managed to uh, avoid Asuka, who ran into a post, which took Asuka out, and then Kyrie came in. Um, Nikki managed to get um, a tag to Alexa. Um, while Asuka was out, Nikki and uh, Alexa were able to get the advantage on Kyrie. Alexa won with her finisher and the tag. No, I thought Nikki got the pin. Am no, no, Alexa got it off the Twisted Bliss. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember the finish. <laughs> um, and yeah, so this was this was an okay opening match. It it definitely helped, like I say, with the Kabuki Warriors. Like Asuka and being there, making some noise. It yeah. kind of it wasn't you know it wasn't the most pristinely worked match you know like alexa is alexa and nikki are they they're good pro wrestlers mm. but they're not exceptional in-ring workers yeah working is the kind of like industry term for you know the, the quality of the actual technical aspects of the wrestling match um alexa and nikki are great characters yeah, yeah. alexa is especially a really mm. really good talker um she can cut a very good pro- promo um but yeah in the ring it's not always perfect but again like i say it was the opening match it didn't outstay its welcome really no it wasn't too bad I, I, there was a point where i was like i feel this should be over already but you want to talk about matches that outstayed their yeah, welcome yeah we'll get to that no no the next match oh the next match oh, elias versus king corbin this outstayed its welcome by existing, existing. <laughs> so um this um Corbin is um, a heel, uh, which is the, you know... The bad guy. The bad guy. Uh, and Elias was kind of the baby. I face. guess. But the match... Op- so the build to this match was Elias... Pu- uh, sorry, Corbin, Corbin. Pushed, pushed, pushed Elias off a podium and he fell 15 feet and really got hurt. Yeah, came out wearing... Kate, this was the thing that bothered me. He came out wearing the tape, the you know, the injury tape, oh, yeah. but didn't sell his back at all throughout the match. No. no selling of it at all. So that's just a little bit of like, obviously, the guy does doesn't have a good grasp of psychology of how to tell a story, right? But he was wearing the tape. Like you, that, you should know that he's really injured because he's wearing the fucking tape. So before the match even starts, Elias's gimmick is that he sings and he's got a guitar. He is actually uh, an. In, he is actually he's talented. Yeah. yeah, he can sing. He can play instruments and things. <laughs> Ooh, excuse me. Um, so the, the, before the match even begins, Elias comes out and smashes a guitar over Baron Corbin, and um, and from there we Baron Corbin eventually makes it to the ring. They start the match, but this is like a heel tactic to jump your yeah before the, opponent, the bell, before the bell hit him with a weapon. weapon. Yeah, and he's the baby face. It yeah. was it was Although- very. Is it not satisfying to see Baron Corbin get hit over the back with a guitar? I mean, it's uh, like the thing is, it still involves seeing Baron Corbin, which is a problem. Like, I actually don't hate Elias. I don't think he's the best worker by no. any stretch, and I don't think like this match needed to be on WrestleMania no. in any shape or form. Hell, this match barely needs to be on a weekly Raw or SmackDown, but it's not a bad. I mean, it's there. You yeah. know, it's there. It, it happened. Exists. It's a thing that happened. Uh, it was a fairly dull match. Um, Corbin got the heat for a little bit, came back and got the heat for a little bit. Then Elias eventually won. You remember was, so much more of it than I do. <laughs> I That's about all. I don't remember. I'm just at a point where I'm like, yeah, that is a match that was definitely 
definitely on night one. It was, it was painful. It was dull as dishwater. Neither of them are exceptionally talented within the ring. Corbin is not exactly a great heel either. He generates what's genuinely known as go away heat, which is so a heel is supposed to be hated, but you know hated in such a fashion that you want to see them get beaten. Corbin's kind of hated in such a fashion that you just don't want to see him period yeah and i don't necessarily wholly blame corbin for this um i think the guy has got some talent Mm. um but you know the wwe's way of scripting promos he's not good at delivering them um very few people are Mm. let's be honest um and he's not you know, he's he's kind of slow and methodical. He's not very exciting to watch in the ring. And when you put him with someone like Elias, who is very green still, mm. um, you know, he's got better, but he's still yeah, but very he's, rough. He's got a fairly limited move. He's there. very limited. He's, yeah. I mean, he looks fantastic. He's, like, he he's looks a hunky great. guy. Yeah, he's, he's a really good looking big guy. Big boy, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's very, they're both quite limited in the ring. Yeah. So it doesn't make for entertaining <laughs> wrestling at all. Um, so there was that. Then we come on to the next match, which is needs a little bit of backstory. So um, the match is the current Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, one of the the the, the big hot commodities in WWE. She's kind of the, the face of the company, I would say. Very I don't much think so. Yeah, a, I, think, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that's a very fair assumption. Mm. I might shift now with Drew, but let's Possibly, see. Possibly, but yeah. She's definitely been one of the, their standout She's performers. She's been consistently over for a long time now, yeah. which is really hard and to it's, do and in it's the current fluctu- climate. It's fluctuated a bit, but she's always managed to maintain a, yeah. very, a very steady level, of, yeah. a certain level of popularity now um shana baszler um was the nxt champion now nxt is their uh, wwe's third brand used to be a developmental territory but now it's being treated more as a third mm. brand because it's opposing AEW. now she'd been she lost the title to rhea ripley which we'll come on to in night two uh I'll talk about rhea when we get there but she lost the title to uh her and came to over to raw um the sh- pay-per-view that wwe had prior to the shutdown and it was the one pay-per-view before wrestlemania was called elimination chamber the concept of the match is a giant cage around the ring uh four pods in each corner uh two people start in the match as every five minutes and someone is released from their pod and added to the match if you're pinned or submitted you're eliminated from the match last person uh in the ring you know wins Wind, yeah. um the story of the match basically was Shayna destroyed everybody her back background is she was a legitimate MMA fighter. She's very good friends with Ronda Rousey. Um, and she'd been a very dominant champion in NXT. Um, so when she came up, they they really had, like, there was a big build to the match with Becky. Um, you know, she bit her in the back of the neck, which was kind of <laughs> stupid and hammy. But, yeah. she, you know, she'd been really dominant and pushed. And it very much seemed like Shayna was the next, next she was going to win the mm. title. They, they the, the build that they did in the Elimination Chamber by having her destroy everybody mm. like everybody to the point where she was alone in the ring waiting for all the participants to come in because she'd taken everyone out already um yeah it she, she so she came in as this big monster yeah. like tough badass heel now um a little bit more backstories the previous wrestlemania becky lynch had beaten ronda rousey and charlotte flair mm-hmm. um who is the daughter of rick flair and a fantastic pro wrestler in a triple threat match and become the first dual champion now she'd subsequently lost the smackdown championship to she lost her money in the bank did she lose it to charlotte and then bailey cast in, cast in yes, on charlotte? Yeah, she, yeah. yes that, i think that's that so 
what happened. Um, so she she'd gone from having both championships to just having the raw one, but she'd still you know been great with that. Um, and but it, you know it did feel like the right time for the change in the guard. Mm-hmm. Shayna had been pushed fantastically. She's got a really good character and aura about her. She's what she does in the ring is. She's not as varied as maybe some of the other opponents, she's but what she does, she she's, does very, very yeah, well. She's, she's she believably yeah, dangerous yeah, and methodical. dominant. Methodical. She obviously yeah. she has uh, she has genuine MMA training. Like her submissions and things look very good, and she understands you know what it's like to be hit, so she can sell well as well. So she you know she's not like a perfectly polished article, but what she does combined with her aura, yeah. her demeanor, and how she presents herself makes for a very compelling package. Yeah, she's a really believable badass. Yeah, definitely. And so it did really feel like everything was pointing towards her winning, and she. Does dominated a lot mm. of the match like so the the match opens um there's a bit of back and forth like um it starts off becky getting the upper hand but eventually Shayna turns the table she tries putting becky's own submission finisher onto becky um they they brawl a bit it's really good she, they brawl to the outside um Shayna grabs becky and swings her into the announced desk a couple of times it looked fucking <laughs> it always looks nice. they really they really did look like they were just beating they, the well, piss out of each they, other they they, they, they what's in the industry known as working stiff mm. so they they you know they're hitting each other hard but in safe areas yeah. but in an empty arena that's good because yeah, it, it sounds, sounds good, really impactful yeah. um so it, it you know it, it played like i there's you know there's like i i enjoyed the match oh, i don't think it match. was i didn't think it was perfect no. especially not the finish but i think it was definitely a yeah. very very well worked match uh, or at least you know moderately well worked yeah. match um the problem comes when we talk about the finish so as um they get back in the ring after Shayna's beaten Becky along the side and Shayna locks in her finisher, which is called the Carafuna Clutch, which is basically a rear naked choke, um, a rear naked choke hold. Um, and as she's got that locked in, Becky kind of rolls backwards over her. So she's still locked in the submission, but she's got Shayna's shoulders pinned mm. and Shayna gets pin like one yeah. two three because that's the, that's how you win like, you know if you pin your opponent's shoulders the match for three seconds you win um but what that had the effect of was a it just kind of like really killed the momentum mm. that had been built for Shayna and that a the problems i have with that finish is a it's the same way Kyrie sane beat Shayna. yeah so and if you if you if ember you, moon ember moon tried to beat her that way didn't she i can't remember if she actually I succeeded I but it's definitely something you've seen done it, to Shayna she, before yeah so she you know if you're if you followed Shayna you're like well what a dumbass why, this, why she did she just let yeah, all she had she to do go? was let go of the submission to avoid losing the yeah. match and then she could have reapplied it and done whatever mm. um, so it's it's interesting as well the other thing that was playing into like it looking like Shayna was going to be taking the belt was Becky is was reported to be looking to take time off after mm. Wrestlemania so it made sense to take the belt off yeah I mean that's kind of getting her. into the meta stuff though isn't it yeah, yeah. So, you don't have time for that now but, but, like generally speaking it, it was a pretty good match yeah Ultimately, I personally think the wrong finish. Uh, yeah, I would have liked to see Shayna win for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, like I said to you at the time, I think they're going to go for a lot of feel-good endings mm. for this particular I WrestleMania. Mean, it didn't outstay its welcome. It only lasted like eight minutes, yeah, eight and a half good. minutes. So it was a good, hard-hitting match. It was enjoyable. Next, we come on to what, sh- like, by all rights, should have been the match of the night. <laughs> so um, it was for the Intercontinental Championship. 
which uh, is like the 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 mid card title, um, and it was between. Daniel Bryan, who used to be known as Bryan Danielson on the indies, he's generally regarded as one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, probably only second to maybe Zack Sabre. Possibly, yeah. Uh, So the Wrestling Observer Award is named after Daniel Bryan. It's the Wrestling Observer Award for uh, the Daniel Daniel Bryanson Award for Technical Excellence. Which I don't think he's ever won. Uh, well, I know Zack Sabre Jr. has won it for like the last five years, so they may need to rename it. <laughs> but um, it was him versus another fantastic known to be a fantastic wrestler, uh, Sami Zayn, who was used to be known as El Generico on the independent scene. Um, but Sami, even though he is the most miscast, he's a miscast deal. He is the perfect baby face, underdog baby face. Uh, and Brighton is an amazing heel. Daniel yeah. Bryan is an amazing heel. But he can do baby face as well. He can more, do it all. He can. He really can. But these two are known to be technically very, very good in the ring. Mm. Unfortunately, what we got was... Shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, we got like a lot of... like The match went nine, not just nearly nine and a half minutes. And I think like at least the first three minutes, maybe longer, was Sam Sammy Zane just running yeah, away. Yeah, there's a lot and, of dicking around. Uh, and, like jumping out the yeah. ring and running around. So there wasn't actually a lot of meaty wrestling there. When they did lock up and they did exchange moves, it was really good. Unfortunately, again, we have a finish uh, which makes your baby face look like an idiot. So he was, uh, Sammy Zane was coming in as the internet continental champion. Um, what basically happened was uh, the, the finish was Daniel Bryan is distracted turns around, walks into a move for uh, uh, Sami Zayn's finishing move, eats that, Sami Zayn pins him, wins, legs yeah. it. <laughs> and it was just, it was it was a match that I was genuinely looking forward to because it could have been so much more mm. if it was allowed to be. And it, it did not use utilise either man to the best of their abilities. Yeah. Um, Sami Zayn has never been used to the best of his abilities on that. And I know he's got a long-term nagging shoulder injury, but mm. he's still talented enough to be able to put together with Daniel Bryan of all people yeah. put together a very conceivable match I don't match. know if he's, a, if he's in that kind of position where he's a heel so there are certain moves that he's not, not supposed to use because they're heel, exciting a, not and... only is he a heel he's a manager yeah so th- that probably further limits his moveset yeah but he's it's sort of very much being presented as like he's championed by fluke he's yeah, winning I mean, by fluke he's yeah, retaining like by he fluke he won the championship in a, a three on one match against Braun Strowman mm. uh, which basically was like his two friends Shinsuke Nakamura and uh, Cesaro basically they all three of them teamed up and beat I, uh, I'm not going to go it's, into that's it that's just yeah, yeah it, <laughs> so that that was that match it was it, yeah like I say ultimately very disappointing given the talent that was between the rings and what could have been uh, could have easily stolen the show but that was an un- the one that stole the show on first night and we'll come to at the end was an unexpected gem. Amazing. And um, that's probably where we'll spend a lot of time talking. Uh, the next match um, was the ladder match uh, that we talked about previously. This was good. This was actually very good. The guys worked their asses off. It would be good. Like, it's other. a good combination of wrestlers. Yeah, so it was John Morrison um, who had previously been known as Johnny Impact in uh, Impact. Johnny and Mundo Champion. in Johnny the Underground. Johnny Mundo in Underground. Johnny Five Star in Five Star Wrestling. I don't know. I think he's Johnny Mundo in AAA, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is, because yeah. uh, they were associated to, yeah. um, to Lucha Underground. Yeah. But basically had been a world champion everywhere else he'd been, apart from WWE, yeah. <laughs> came back to WWE and then, oh, do you remember when you were here last time and you were in the mid-card as a tag team champion with The Miz? Hope you liked it. Because that's where you are again now. <laughs> um, so yeah, but uh, it was him versus Jimmy Uso, one half of the Uso's twin brother tag team who are cousins to Roman Reigns, and Kofi Kingston, um, who had previously... Oh. <laughs> 
I'm not going to go into the Kofi mania ups and downs yeah. and everything, but very, very talented, long-term WWE guy. Uh, been with the company 11 years, super talented. Uh, all three of them, you know, you put them in a match together, you're going to have a really high athletic, uh, really well, pretty well-worked match. Yeah. And the guys, a ladder match, the concept is your belt, your championship belts are hung above the ring. The To win the match, you have to climb the ladder, get the belts and pull them down. So this match went um, 18, 18 and a half minutes. Um, and it was non-stop, pretty much non-stop yeah, it action. Really it was really good. Cool. Some of the highlight spots were... Uh, Johnny doing the tightrope walk into mm. the one man into the standing Spanish fly yeah. off the top rope. That was incredible. Um, the in fact that was probably the spot yeah, in the match, I think wasn't so. it? Yeah. Um, there was the uh, was it Uso running across the barricade and um, I believe it was John Morrison or it might have been Kofi just threw a ladder into him yeah, to knock him off. So the ladders in this match can can be used as weapons and you'll you'll generally have people jumping off them to perform like impactful moves. Like I say, it was a really, really well worked match. Again, we come uh lots of high impact. It's in front of a crowd, the crowd would have gone mental for yeah, this. It yeah. would have been like in front of a hot crowd, this would have been elevated yeah, so much. I mean much stipulation further. matches like this are kind of they're built they're, with crowds in mind, yes, you know? Yeah, very much so. You, you get your hype spots and your kind of yeah. oh my god, what the fuck spots and yeah. all this kind of thing, and then the crowd really adds to the overall sense of drama. And, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's a shame. So it but that being said, they still put on a hell of yeah. a match and they really worked their asses off and just killed each other. Um, but again, we come to a weird booking decision, which is a f- running theme throughout all of WWE, um, which is the finish. Uh, the finish being um, all three men are at the top of the ladder and all three of them kind of unhook the, like, for want of a better word, coat, a coat hanger, hanger yeah, that coat had, hanger. The belt, had the belts yeah. on them. And the two bait, so John Morrison is the heel in this, Uso and Kingston are the baby faces. The two baby faces in tandem think, right, just headbutt the heel. And John Morrison falls back. So uh, they're on the ladder and there's another ladder laid perpendicular between on the rope, on the middle rope ring and into the rungs of the ladder that they're climbing on. So John Morrison falls back and lands on that ladder but he's got the belts in his hand he's kind of pulled them off the coat hanger mm. as he fell because WWE is cheap and their belts turns out are Velcro <laughs> we know this because it's now an empty arena so you can you can hear it go <laughs> you can hear the Velcro noise it's fucking hilarious when I realise that um, but yeah so he falls back he wins it was just a it it was just a it was a dumb finish, but I mean it wasn't necessarily the wrong. No, I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't have a, a problem with finish. Morrison retaining. No, no, it's I, not I, as good as my idea of like two guys from different teams get the belts, so and now they're the tag champs. That could have been fun. That would but also I don't have been tr- a dumb ending, but, but you know, it would have been different. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was um, it was uh, it was it was a good match, yeah. and it was a, a bit of a wonky ending, but you know, no problems with the the actual decision yeah, and no, who won. I think good. it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Next, we come to what actually I think was one of, in terms of just straight wrestling matches, mm. probably the best on the card. I really enjoyed it, which was Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it starts off uh, as just a straight wrestling match. 
Um, and uh, they, 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 you know, it's 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 a brawl. Um, but Seth's doing a little bit more of the athletic stuff. Um, they they end up spilling up out, spilling outside, wrestling around the announcer's desk. Um, and Seth Rollins hits um, Kevin Owens with the ring bell, mm-hmm. causing a disqualification and Kevin Owens to win. Um, but as Seth Rollins is leaving, like very pleased with himself, Kevin Owens gets on a microphone and says. <laughs> you're a bitch, you're a coward, let's restart this match and make it a no-DQ match. And for once, WWE booked this sensibly. So we thought it was a DQ finish at first, and like you're like, because you get that so much with WWE, you're like, oh, the fuckers have screwed us again, yeah. they swerved. But they they did a good swerve and actually restarted the match and made it a no-DQ, and they booked the baby face like a, uh, like a fucking you know courageous baby yeah. face and the heel like a fucking idiot it was great <laughs> uh, so the guys the guys start brawling again and they're using weapons this time they're hitting each other with chairs uh, at one point Kevin Owens hits Seth with the ring bell lays him out on the announce desk then fucks off and you're like what the fuck is he going <laughs> he goes behind the big Wrestlemania sign that's behind the announce desk climbs all the way up to the top of it and this must have been like 13 to 15 feet, feet. Know, yeah, easy yeah. I mean if you count the angle down mm. like the diagonal angle down it's probably like 16 feet mm. travel distance and so he jumps off there and does an elbow drop onto set i mean jesus christ without because there's no crowd there you just hear these yeah. two men die die <laughs> you hear them collide, collide and then die like like all you can hear is seth going <laughs> it's, it sounds so horrible but ultimately um you know, KO wins. Yeah. Um, good baby face yeah. victory. He basically gets him back into the ring. Kevin Owens is now using uh, Steve Austin's old finisher, the stunner. So he hits him with a stunner, pins him one, two, three. Done. Great, yeah. great finish. Uh, went 17 minutes, didn't outstay its welcome. No, it uh, and some of that was taken up by the kind of like yeah. the, the, banter and restarting yeah. of the match but, but I think you, you can tell that they're two guys who have worked on in smaller promotions in indie shows yeah. they kind of know how to how to work without any of the downtime that you sometimes get in WWE yeah. it matches was, it was good it was mm. really it was a really enjoyable match I really enjoyed it definitely that's one worth watching yeah um, if you're going to watch through this like I would yeah that's one I would make sure you watch the next one skip um, so the next one is well, just go make a cup of fucking coffee because oh, like, like, the match will be done by the time you get the, back the match lasts two minutes and ten seconds yeah and it consists of one move done by one opponent one move done by another opponent just the same move repeated four times on each side mm. so it's in place of what would have been Roman Reigns versus Goldberg we get Braun Strowman versus Goldberg Braun Strowman being a seven foot well not really seven foot he's yeah, about six foot what seven six foot eight uh, yeah he's a big guy he's probably six foot seven because that's the number that Vince doesn't like to ever be fucking announced <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah he's a big man mountain and pretty athletic for mm. his size as well um, but the match literally consists of so historically Goldberg his, throughout his big rise he's not a talented like a talented worker he knows two moves basically and he, his appeal was that he sold those two moves like he was a rabbit fucking yeah, animal yeah he had like the intensity yeah. and the, the real impact of like this guy could really fuck you up like yeah. that was Bill Goldberg's yeah. appeal yeah Um. so his two moves were the spear and the jackhammer thank god they didn't have him try and do a fucking jackhammer you had a murder he, live on yeah. Wrestle- well no not live pre-taped on Wrestlemania because the last time he did try a jackhammer was on The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia and everybody died. <laughs> <laughs> it's generally like, uh, just 
look it up. It's a fucking shit show. So this, yeah, like I say, this match went two minutes ten. It started by uh, with the un- uh, the Undertaker <laughs> with Goldberg hitting four concurrent like consecutive spears on Braun Strowman. Um, he a spear is basically like a fucking American football tackle or a rugby tackle. Uh, Braun Strowman gets up. And then hits his move, which is a running power slam, which he basically puts him on Air his shoulder. running. Yeah. Puts him on his shoulder and just slams him to the mat. Uh, he does that four times, pins him and wins. Yeah. That was it. We that probably was spent longer discussing this match than the match actually yes. ran. Yes, yeah. completely. It, that, that was it. It was four. Like, yeah, that was it. Done. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman is the new Blue Universal Champion. Um... Now we come on to the absolute fucking best thing <laughs> across all of WrestleMania. This was such a stroke of genius. It's, this is like everything like, was perfect. And I'm actually like, you know, finding out who was like the driving force behind this. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you probably know who the fucking Undertaker yeah. is. Uh, scary McBoots. <laughs> Creepy McDead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But this time, the American badass, kind of. <laughs> um, so, The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. AJ Styles, one of the best wrestlers yeah. of all time. Just phenomenal. He is the phenomenal one, yeah. right? Um, but they're in what is, uh, what WWE are calling a boneyard match, which is basically a match in a spooky graveyard farmy type area. Yeah, it was, it was uh, very kind of American it, Gothic Midwest. Yeah. There's probably a cornfield somewhere. Is that uh, kind of atmosphere. The object of the match was to... Uh, bury your opponent alive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so the the it it wasn't shot inside a ring. It was shot out in the open air, and it was shot very much like a movie. Yeah, it was just, it was a short film. It was a, a like I say, a very a so like midwestern if, gothic. If, if you guys have ever heard of the final deletion by, that Matt Hardy had done uh, like a couple of years ago um, for Impact Wrestling, it was very much in that same vein. I mean, I know Jeremy Borash, who is a behind the scenes personality, he used to be working. For TNA slash Impact now is back with WWE he was one of the creative drivers behind mm. that helped Matt Hardy with the final deletion and he was involved to an extent in this match and putting it together and helping with the direction because like I say the thing it had a soundtrack it had special effects so the match opens uh, with what you initially presume to be the Undertaker mm. driving in a hearse uh, towards this this graveyard place because that's typically how he would have arrived, um, and it's like the Undertaker's music as well. Yeah, as yeah. I remember, um, and then they open the back door, pull out a coffin, open the coffin, and pops out pops AJ Styles, <laughs> just being like, start immediately smack talking, and the music kills mm. from the Undertaker's to AJ's. Yeah, I don't want none. I don't, and it was just it was really funny, really yeah. well shot, and he's talking smack talking smack and then it cut then it cuts to show a guy on a motorcycle which is the undertaker um who did have this period in the 90s where he was the american badass instead of the dead man yeah he was a a biker instead of a zombie mortician wizard (laughs) i think the zombie mortician wizard is the the the, short yeah he used to come out to limp biscuit this time he's driving along to a new metallica track so it's obviously shit because it's a new metallica (laughs) yeah there i said it fuck (laughs) come at me bro they haven't done anything really good since ride the lightning (laughs) fuck you uh (laughs) some really good hot takes here (laughs) metallica 
no longer good. Please discuss. <laughs> fucking, like, they haven't been good for a while, but they they, they, they stopped being even credible with Saint Anger. <laughs> anyway, um, I digress. So he, he arrives on the bike, um, gets off, and they immediately just start brawling. They're punching back and forth. Um... Ed Taker is beat. There was a lot of liberal. They're both southern, you know. AJ's Georgia, He's from Georgia yeah. and Taker um, is from Texas. So there's a lot of like, come boy, here, boy. Come here, boy. I'm gonna beat you, boy. <laughs> What's my name, boy? <laughs> um, and yeah, so they beat. There's a little bit of back and forth. Taker's predominantly got the upper hand throughout the majority of the match um, until. Um, I, I believe uh, Luke Gallows and Anderson yeah, AJ's. Yeah partners show stable up mates, uh, yeah. stable mates show up partners <laughs> life partners um they, they they show up um and they they kind of uh they uh, bring an and they so, well they unveil i think is a better word so, an army of druids so what actually happens is there's like a shed barn thing and a light so they show up and take us facing them and then like oh they're like we didn't come alone um and then a bright light shines out from behind the, the walls of this shed and like loads of the walls fall down on an army of druids, which would typically Taker's thing. Yeah. Come out and surround Taker. And like any good Hollywood film, <laughs> they proceed to attack him one at a time. Because <laughs> that's the polite way to do it. <laughs> and Taker like beats them all up and throws them out. And then Gallows and Anderson attack and they get the heat on Taker for a while, beat him up. Um, as Taker's starting to make a comeback, AJ basically runs up behind him and hits him with a tombstone, <laughs> smashes it over his head. Um, and then they take him and th- basically throw him into the open grave that's there ready. And like we said, you win by burying your opponent alive. Mm. So yeah, they put, put him in the open grave and AJ goes and gets into uh, what is basically a tractor with like a, a digger tray on the front to tip the yeah. earth on him. And as he sat there happy in he's his tractor, such a good time in the tractor, because he's a farm boy, <laughs> um, a bright light appears behind him and Undertaker's just there behind him, like <laughs> teleported, which is canon. Undertaker yeah, he can, can teleport. teleport yeah. um, and uh, then he starts beating AJ up again. And... Um, AJ starts running away and he runs onto the roof of the barn. Because that's a good idea. And Gallows and Anderson go up there. Um, he throws, uh, Undertaker then like throws, throws Anderson off, off and then he tombstones Gallows on yeah. the roof. Um, there's a little bit more back and forth. Like AJ's kind of retreating away and then Taker set, sets off, point, yeah. just, like does some magic and fire explodes also behind cannon. AJ. Um, and then um, what happens is AJ, obviously because the fire is forced towards Taker, Taker chokes slams him off the roof of this building onto like a fancy type area which obviously got some crash pads underneath for safety don't spoil the magic of but yeah he he he, um he cross chokeslams him off that aj crumples taker climbs down picks him up and take uh, aj's just like no please don't bury me alive please please And and taker's like don't apologize. Don't like. He's like, sorry, sorry. He, like, takes like, don't apologize, boy. Don't apologize. You took. <laughs> you gave me a good fight. You boy. took a. You took a beating. And he like puts him down in front of the grave. And Age is like, please don't bury. Please don't bury. He's like, I'm not gonna bury. Hugs him, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you gave me a good fight, boy. Goes to walk away, and then immediately turns back and boots him into the grave. <laughs> Covers the dirt over him. He drives away, and the final shot is just AJ's glove. One of AJ's gloved hands sticking out of the dirt. Carry style. Yeah, <laughs> it was one of the most 
phenomenal things that I've... It was so much fun. I think it's something you could really only have done with these two wrestlers to make yes. it like as good as it was. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. And so as I've been listening to more and more about it, it turns out one of the biggest creative drivers behind this match was actually Triple H, mm. which is... Like, it, was, it was the NXT team, basically, wasn't it? Yeah. The kind of, yeah. So it was Triple H, there was guys. Triple H, there was Borash, did, mm. Borash was there, and uh, Pritchard. Yeah. But Triple H was the mm. main driving force behind yeah. a lot of yeah. it, a lot of it, which is, you know, fair play to Trips. Yeah, it was he did great. a stand-up job. Yeah. Oh, you could definitely see Borash's hands mm. on it because there was a lot of like similarities between this and the final deletion of Matt Hardy and things. Yeah. So which makes sense because that was great as yeah. well. So utilize that talent, mm. right? Um so yeah, that 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 wraps up night one of uh the uh WrestleMania. Mm card um we'll briefly hit through night two because i know we're, we're chung- there's a bit less to say about night two there is it, night two was not as good so the opening match this um, was good this was the best match on the night it just had the wrong fucking yeah. finish but it turns out there might be a reason for this now yeah um so it was charlotte flair um who uh versus rhea ripley the current nxt champion who had beaten Shayna baszler we discussed earlier mm-hmm. uh rhea ripley they're both like you know damn near six foot blonde amazonian <laughs> warriors yeah. right they are ama- they're both like amazing yeah. amazing wrestlers and they had a hell of a match great chemistry really really good chemistry um and what it seemed like everyone felt like you know this was going to because charlotte is a multiple time champion across mm. all their different shows uh and he was like oh this is really going to make Rhea yeah. this big win on the biggest stage of the world but uh no charlotte won. um which i mean i like i think it's the wrong decision but yeah. there may be some reasoning behind it now oops sorry i just hit the mic um it turns out that so rhea ripley's australian her work visa of america has expired and given the current situations it's going to make things really difficult for her to go back get her uh, to australia and get another visa and come back mm-hmm. and things so they kind of had to do something to take the belt off her, yeah i mean like, that's speculation on our part like we know her work visa has expired we don't know that's why they took the belt off her but it no. kind of like okay it, makes it lines sense. up and yeah, it makes yeah. sense um so yeah the, that that is the that is honestly the only match i would genuinely recommend watching on night two the rest were kind a mixed bag a mixed bag so the following match was again it's like something about the second match on each night just mm. doesn't need to be there i mean <laughs> yeah. it wasn't necessarily all that bad and it, like, it did serve some storyline purpose it was bobby lashley versus alistair black alistair black is fantastic yeah they both have like some real fight training like bobby lashley was an mma fighter for bellator mm. for or was it strike force no it was strike force was it strike force I think Maybe, it might yeah. be Strike Force, um, but yeah, he was he was a legit MMA fighter as well as being a pro wrestler, um, and they you know they had a match. It wasn't fantastic. Yeah. The finish was quite cool. Like it was exactly as you called it. Uh, Bobby Lashley tries so Bobby Lashley has him Alistair Black beat basically and has him in position to do the Dominator, which is one of his finishes. But his uh, in storyline wife Lana says, "No, no, I want you to beat him with a spear." So he puts him down and is like, "Yeah, I'll do that for you, babe." Hey, cocky arsehole kind of thing and he goes to do uh, a spear but Alistair Black uh, hits him with his finisher which is a, basically a round out spinning kick mm. called the Black Mass and just knocks it it looks fantastic yeah knocks the fuck d- out d- um, <laughs> and uh, so obviously look, because of Lana being 
a stupid bitch, basically. Uh, Bobby lost the match, and that's that's where the storyline's kind of going to be progressing from there. Um, so it had it had some purpose, but it, it was generally fairly it was forgettable. Not a WrestleMania match, no, no. A, a and, and it's a shame match. because Alistair Black is fantastic yeah, and does absolutely. deserve a really yeah. good and WrestleMania Bobby match. Bobby deserves more than he's getting. Yeah, I mean, he's a better talent than they give him credit mm. for, but they give him shit to work with, yeah. and he's not he's not an exceptionally charismatic talent. I think it depends what you do with him. I think he's, he had a really good heel run in Impact that shows that he can be. Mm-hmm. But obviously at the moment, he's not getting those opportunities. No, so this it is very is what true. it is. Yeah. Um, so we then move on to what was probably the most, the the the, the match with the most story, actually no, the set, match with the second most storyline intensity to it. Um, Otis, Do- or Otis, it used to be known as Otis Dozovich, uh, big, hefty, ma- like <laughs> meat sack of a man, uh, fantastically charismatic versus Dolph Ziggler. The basic lead up into this match was, uh, there's a female wrestler called Mandy Rose who had agreed to go on a date with Dolph. Mandy Rose... Sorry? She'd oh, oh no, sorry. Um, um, Sonia, who's Mandy's best friend, had basically got hold of Mandy's phone, told uh, Otis that she was going to be late. Was... Uh, basically, she was trying to break up, yeah. like stop Otis and Mandy getting together because she thought... I don't, I don't know. Really we, know don't, we don't. We don't. We don't really she know yet. She just didn't want them we to date. No, and she she like I was working with Dolph because Dolph wanted to date Mandy. So Dolph, and that was basically the build up to this to this match was um, Otis wanted Mandy. Dolph got Mandy, but unfairly, and then Mandy found it. So like um, just before the, the, prior to this match, they had this weird kind of like uh, anonymous type set hacker segment yeah. where it was like. Oh, I showed video recordings of everything that happened, so Mandy understood. So they have a match. Yeah. It's functional, fun. <laughs> it's um, a story. At the end, the at the end of the match, Sonya tries to Sonya hit Sonya gets in she while the ref's not looking. Low blows Otis, so Dolph can try and get the pin. Um, Otis, I can't remember if Otis kicked out or if Man, basically Mandy Rose. Mandy, Mandy ends up coming down for a further distraction. So the ref's distracted. She hits Dolph in the balls. Otis hits his finisher, wins, gets a big kiss on the stage with Mandy. This would have played great in front of in a crowd. The crowd, yeah. yeah, it was. It was put. Everything was put together and built with a crowd's reactions in mind. You know, Otis is kind of like the every man who gets the beautiful girl because women are transferable property, and if you beat another man in a wrestling match, you're entitled to a woman. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah, that's much. how it works. That's how you got me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I, I'd be. Um, <laughs> I don't know, someone. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that was there. That was, I mean, it didn't really last all that long. It was like eight minutes, fifteen. Yeah. Um, now we're talking about matches lasting far too fucking, and I'm sad about this because this match should have. Ed, so Edge, um, Adam Copeland had been retired for about nine years because um, he, he a real world neck injury mm. forced him to retire he made a surprise return at the Royal Rumble um, after having multiple surgeries and recouping his neck he's now cleared to wrestle again and they built up this fantastic angle with his um, old tag team partner Randy Orton and it had so much heat going to it and it's, I think it was the thing that a lot of people were most looking forward to mm. on the Wrestlemania show because it was like yes Edge is back and he's going to get this they're going to have such intensity a blood feud a yeah. really personal and it was a falls stakes, count yeah. any, uh, no it was last man standing yeah. match the, so how you win this is you have to knock your opponent down for a 10 count they can't stand up before the ref counts to 10 this match went 36 so 
and a half minute. Was, and oh, I fell every fucking minute. I fell asleep. <laughs> I like it. So they were brawling all, and it was slow. And it, they, so they hit like as Brian. Al- I'm going to paraphrase Brian Alvarez because he summed this match up perfectly. They hit each other with shit. They jumped off shit. They fell off shit. They hit each other with more shit. They lay around for a while. Mm. Randy Orton couldn't get back up. Edge one. Yeah, but that took 36 minutes yeah. of agonizing time it you know with the crowd it might have played a little better because there would have been some noise I and drama so. but this was yeah, just stone silence was, and men was grunting for 36 20 minutes. minutes too long like this kind of match like this was 25 minutes they too need long. to be they need to be intense and obviously they need to be brutal because the whole point is you knock your opponent out and i think but the longer the match goes the, the more that intensity feels forced so and the most dragged out and we have to address this because the most egregious part in this and bear in mind this was pre-recorded it could have been edited out um the most egregious part of this is they're brawling through the training area of the performance center and um i forget which way around it's but one of them gets a bit of the weight uh one of some of the weight machine and tries to hang the other with uh, a weight machine now to give some backstory on this there was a wrestler in the 90s uh, and early noughties called chris benoit you've probably heard the name and you probably know the story the story is that the guy murdered his wife and child um, and hung himself using weightlifting Mm. equipment. And there is no one in the wrestling industry that does not know this story. And what makes this more, that, that compounds this kind of like bad taste is that literally two weeks prior to this um a documentary had aired on vice tv which i, I genuinely recommend really watching but yeah. it's 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 hard to watch yeah um about a two-part documentary about chris benoit and about this incident that, that you know about the murder him murdering his wife and child and committing suicide um and how it nearly destroyed the wrestling business this had aired two weeks ago mm. uh, no one no one said uh maybe we shouldn't yeah. do this maybe we take that one bit out this was pre-tapes they could have removed it right so that 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 just needs to be addressed as well like i didn't actually see it happen i'd made a joke about when they went into the pro into <laughs> yeah. that area like oh i made it like a, you know a dark sadist like bad taste joke about mm-hmm. oh you know they can do a benoit i'd fallen asleep and missed the the point that they actually did that yeah. and you'd zoned out yeah so it wasn't yeah. until we were listening back to the reviews and i've we gone back like, and seen it and it's just holy like, shit that they really they did that. actually did that yeah. so that just shows like some of the kind of low rent aspects of wwe mm-hmm. in a way i guess um and i can't believe no one like between the performers you yeah. know edge edge worked alongside chris mm-hmm. benoit for years yeah, there is no off. way he did not like i can't believe no one put two and two together yeah yeah but it is what it is. It was the worst match on the nu- of the night. It should have been the best match, and it was the worst match because it just was dull. It was so it long. was so boring, and I hated it. Mm. And I feel so bad because I was so happy to see yeah. Edge back, and he deserved such so much better than this. And they're both capable of better than this. Yeah. Like just a fucking you know a, like a brutal brawling match would have been better than this. Um. So yeah, that was that. Next, we come on to the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Now, this should have been Angel Garza and... Andrade. Andrade. Uh, but Andrade was injured, yeah. so had to be replaced. Um, it was going to be replaced with Umberto Carrillo, but he was self-isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just picked some random guy. Austin Theory. Who, Austin Theory from NXT, who'd never really been on... He's not really been used very much anyway. No, yet. I think he's like, had like okay, three think, televised matches. Total. I get the impression 
impression that people are high on him, yeah. but he's not really been utilized yet. So it was kind of like this guy is available. And, That's what it felt like. And you know? The Street Profits are made up of um, Montez Ford, who mm-hmm. is the wrestling equivalent of Will Smith in his Fresh Prince era. Will Smith on Coke. Yeah. Um, and, and made of elastic. Yeah. Like the guy can bounce and jump. Like he's so athletic. It's incredible. <laughs> the guy can, the, when he does a frog splash off the top rope, the height he gets is incredible. <laughs> uh, and his tag team partner, Angelo Dawkins, who is lucky there. to have Montez Ford. He's there. <laughs> um, I don't remember a fucking I thing remember. about the this match. The only thing I remember about this match is Bianca Belair coming at the end. Yeah, because after <laughs> so the the, te- the 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 baby faces of uh, the Street Profits win and retain their tag team championship. Um, after the match, uh, the heels with their manager Zelina Vega um, get hold and start beating down Ford and his like real life wife Bianca Belair, who's a l- really good wrestler uh, in NXT, comes out and beats up. Um, Selena, Selena yeah. for the save, and then it ends with them with bl- celebrating. Bl- yeah, yeah. Was, I mean, it was there. It was functional. It was, it, whatever. It was probably exactly what it needed to be. To be honest, eh, it could have yeah. been better. But like, I don't. I just didn't care about it. It was mm. no investment in it. Um, I'm. I have mixed feelings on the street profits. Like <laughs> Angelo Dawkins is just there, and whereas Montez Ford has fucking oodles of charisma mm. he gets very excited in the ring and can get very sloppy they're a team that need a crowd because they play off yeah. the crowd so much yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah and like it, it was there next we have what was originally supposed to be a six pack uh, elimination match for the Smackdown Women's Champion uh, Bailey being the reigning Women's Champion we have a five way match I forget why one person was out Dana Brooke Dana Brooke safe self-isolating yeah. wasn't she yeah, yeah. okay um, so we have five per- pack challenge match the concept of this is it's five wrestlers all you know eat one eight every man for themselves and it's an elimination match so when you're pinned or submitted you're eliminated for the match and then the last person is the winner um, the story going into this one is the two two of the com- the competitors in this match are Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. Tamina didn't need to be anywhere ever. Yeah, that's probably fair. She yeah. is just not good. Mm. Uh, sorry, Tamina. You're just not. <laughs> You're just not. You just not. Just not. Uh, so she's 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 big though. So she plays a monster kind of hoss type yeah. thing but they, they all gang up get her out first uh, the story going into this is Bailey, the champion and Sasha Banks are best friends heels um, but it's been teased that you know ba- like Sasha's going to turn on Bailey, or is Bailey going to turn on Sasha who knows and this is a fucking feud that has been te- been teased for like five years yeah. now and they still just never pull the fucking trigger on it and the reason everyone wants them to pull the trigger on it is because back when these girls these girls sorry these ladies <laughs> women these these athletes were in NXT and they had one of the best women's wrestling matches in the history of WWE. So everyone's like, oh, we want to see this again. Yeah, Yeah, because it was fantastic. Um, So they're they're working together throughout the majority of the match. Um, Next person to go is Naomi, your namesake. Um, She... Yeah, it was, she was eliminated. Then then it comes down to the final three. Lacey Evans, who's like this Marine pinup, kind of like all-American babyface, and the two heels. Um, they're double-teaming on her, and at one point, Lacey Evans gets in this like knockout punch, which is a finisher on Sasha, uh, and knocks Bailey out the way, and pins Sasha to eliminate her. And it's made very clear that 
Bailey could have broken up the pin yeah. and saved her friend, but chose not to. Mm. Um, it, then the match progresses as a singles, effectively a singles match between Bailey and Lacey Evans. Uh, Bailey predominantly uh, has the upper hand for most of it. Then Lacey starts making a comeback. As Lacey's making a comeback, one thing we should know about these multi-man matches is no dis- disqualification. Mm-hmm. So as Lacey is making a comeback, Sasha, her friend, uh, Bailey's friend, gets in the ring and interferes and helps uh, Bailey win and yeah. retain her title. Now afterwards, Sasha picks up. <laughs> the belt and he's walking over to Bailey and it looks like okay she's gonna fucking hit Decker and we're on mm. and no she hands the belt back to her <laughs> smiles and they leave happy yeah and it's just like it's more teasing to something that they should have yeah, pulled the trigger on a while ago Sasha's really good at looking like she's being being shady basically you know she's, she's a, a lot of facial she's a very miscast and, baby face but you you feel like at this point like is you know shit will get off the pot you Completely. know like you don't everybody gets the dynamic here you yeah. don't need to drag this out anymore yeah, no, completely. And, you know, they, 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 they teased it for ages in that last elimination chamber. Mm. They were teasing this last WrestleMania, yeah, for exactly. fuck's sake. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was that. And now we come on to the Firefly Funhouse match, <laughs> which I'm going to come out. It was not a match. It was yeah, a, a piece of piece? avant-garde performance art. Yeah. That is the best way you could put it. So the story going into this, it was John Cena versus, versus in air quotes, Bray Wyatt the Fiend. Bray Wyatt the Fiend is this character. Um, just, do you know what? I, I'm not going to go into too much, but basically he's a dual personality character. He's got this kind of like twisted fiend demonic persona. It's basically type. a kid's TV show host who turns into an evil clown. A demon thing. Yeah. With magical powers. Yeah. Uh, and John Cena, who I'm sure you all know who John Cena is. You can't see me. Do, 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 you know, we all know the memes and whatnot. <laughs> uh, and what eventually, what happens is John Cena comes out into the arena. And he's like, welcome to WrestleMania. And then the, it warps and it goes to lots of shots of Vince and other people saying mania, mania. It's all twisted and weird. And then it cuts and... Bray is on the set. Uh, sorry, no. John Cena is on the set of the the children's TV show that Bray Wyatt hosts, the Firefly Funhouse. Um, he goes through a door, like the, you know, there's some preamble, but he goes through a door, and then it's like a, a deconstruction of John Cena's entire career. So he comes out his original thing where he challenges Kurt Angle, says ruthless aggression, and hits him in the face, triggering the the start of what was is termed in WWE the ruthless aggression mm-hmm. era. Um, and then it proceeds to go through all the different phases of John Cena's career, uh, part, including that part that I apparently missed when he joined the NWO. <laughs> but I think that was, they were trying to say he's like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I think if you want to... He never did the job for people. Or if he, you want to break it down and be metatextual about it, it was mm. um, looking at a lot of fears that John Cena apparently had in real life, like mm. the fear of having a bad debut in the ruthless aggression angle, the fear of becoming you know one of those guys who politics backstage mm. and you know like hogan she kind of did yeah you know so, so not to the extent hogan yeah did by like any I, can't, I can't remember all the different segments as well like the, yeah. the 80s weird bodybuilding segment that was like, that was that, that was, was genuinely funny that was, that was genuinely funny but yeah I, I mean that's i don't know if i'm putting too much analysis in that but if you I, wanted to look at it that way as a deconstruction of his career and you with the ending where you hear john cena 
giving that line about the you know the most overhyped, overprivileged athlete in all of WWE history, which he said about Bray, but, but in this context was used as he was being defeated. Yeah. So it's you know it's him talking about himself. It's all very meta. Yeah. It's... It, it, like I say, it wasn't a wrestling match. It was performance art. Yeah. And it was. It was, I mean, it was interesting. It, if you take it as anything but a wrestling match, there's a lot you can, there's a lot you can, in, you, like you say, you can you deconstruct it, it and pull apart, it apart. Yeah. But let's look at this, it was billed as a match. Yeah. They couldn't wrest- have done it on any, any other no, WrestleMania. No. Like, so it's very similar in in kind of, in in at least high level concept to the to the the boneyard match yeah. in that it wasn't taking place in the arena it was it was filmed yeah. very much like a, a you know a non-standard thing yeah but the boneyard match was still a match that it could believably have happened within the confines of any wrestlemania it's yeah. not out of the question to have a match like that on wrestlemania no, no. you have like the hollywood backlot brawl with piper and gold dust yeah, back yeah, in the day the firefly funhouse match match air quotes was just it, something from a completely different genre of entertainment. I don't know. Like, you, you could probably spend a lot of interesting time pulling it apart uh, and yeah, talking about definitely. all the different scenes. And, like, good for them for fucking doing something yeah, I mean, different because when I, else I will, are they going to get the chance? Yeah, I mean, but it was I'll, weird. I will give them, you know, I will, I will give them, I will, I will give them props for at least trying something. I mean, it didn't, it didn't work in the context of a wrestling match. Mm. If it was played as like an angle on a show, like not mm. actually billed as a match, then that's something different. But yeah. the fact of the matter is we're going to judge this as a match uh, because it, it was billed as one. It yeah. wasn't one. So it didn't work in, yeah. as, in the context of a wrestling match. But it was interesting to watch nonetheless. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then we come on to what was the main event of the evening, um, which was Drew McIntyre versus Bork Lesnar. <laughs> Um, Brock Lesnar uh, for the the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, you can literally take what we said about Braun Strowman and Goldberg, swap the moves for F5 and Claymore, and you have the same match. New babyface champion, first British-born, so, well, Scottish, but yeah. British-born. He'll be British until he loses it. Yeah, like Andy Murray. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first British-born WWE champion ever. Um, the guy is a romance. He, yeah, he looks like the cover of every romance a Highland novel. romance novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, he literally could be the Highlander. It's mm-hmm. mate. He's fantastic. He's really good. Brock put him over big time. Like, uh, I mean, the match didn't last long at all. Four minutes thirty-five. So, slightly, mm-hmm. so twice as long as the <laughs> other one. The, the, the Goldberg and Strowman. And yeah. you know, it did what it was designed to yeah. do. It, if it had been front of a crowd, the crowd would have gone ballistic for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and it was it was really nice. It was a shame Brock, uh, uh, Drew didn't get that big moment mm-hmm. in front of a crowd, but I'm sure that time will come. Yeah. Um, and I think he's. I think you know, the one good thing is because they're not going to have any crowds for a while. Then Vince isn't like if the crowd maybe wasn't necessarily reacting how Vince was, he's mm-hmm. not going to see that and backtrack it. So they're going to stick with him for a while. Yeah. So he might like actually be given a chance to <laughs> properly get over yeah. so by the time they get crowds back everyone's gonna be like fucking yeah mm-hmm. Drew so this could work really well yeah. um, and they may new actually get a new face of the company out yeah, of this inadvertently that. <laughs> that'd be fucking fantastic um, there was actually like we didn't find this out till the Monday Night Raw there was actually another match that happened Big Show came out and challenged Drew Drew won again uh, but yeah uh, that was Wrestlemania Night 2 um, it was not anywhere near as good no. as the night one the best match on the show was the first one the 20 minutes of Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley um, everything else honest to god you can skip mm. uh, I mean if you want to watch the 
Bray well, Wyatt. I would see... say watch the Firefly Funhouse match as an object of curiosity. Yeah, but because don't you're not going to see there. anything else like yeah, it. Yeah, but don't go in there expecting a match. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it, it it only really is worked if you know John Cena's yeah, career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It relies you be, on you knowing that. Yeah, yeah. You, you, and if you were a ca- like if you were a casual fan and didn't know a lot, yeah. you, you might not get a lot. Exactly, from it. you need to know his on-screen career and the behind-the-scenes yeah, rumors all, and yeah theories and that as well so yeah yeah so that was wrestlemania what is probably going to go down as if maybe not the worst because i think the boneyard match saved it saves it worst wrestlemania i think four maybe three or four like the the one with the fucking stupid bret hart uh yokozuna oh that was a bit of a later one was that nine Either way, there's a lot of bad main. There's a quite a few early yeah, bad mains yeah. out there. I don't think this is going to go down as the worst. Maybe no. night two could be if you counted them separately. Night two could maybe. be... I think the thing is, it's such an oddity. Like mm. you can't even really judge it against other WrestleManias. No, that's true. That's very true. So yeah, it's going to be remembered as the strangest WrestleMania mm. of all time. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. But you know, kudos to them in a way. I mean. It was nice of them, it, you know, it was good to have a bit of a distraction during this time, but, mm. you know, I do feel bad for the performers that are at risk, and it, there's there's a lot of mixed things that can be said about that. Now, talking to... That's, that, that brings us to the end of our talk of WrestleMania, and now we have to talk on to... Come on to a real-life supervillain when we're talking about performers in danger and talking about the UFC. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little about this, then we'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk about Chuck Tingle. Um... <laughs> to lighten proceedings somewhat. But, so, for those of you who don't know, um, obviously, all combat sports are out at the moment. Um, And Dana White, the owner of the UFC, has been adamant that he's going to run a show. So much so, that the the planned UFC 249, I think it is, that Mm. was supposed to be happening in a week or so, um, uh, maybe this weekend, um, he's he's working around lockdown laws and he's basically now going to host it on Native American reservation because the government can't interfere with that. So... The, uh, and he's putting so many people at risk by doing this yeah. because obviously they're not going to have any of the concerns and considerations of the social distancing because they can't that can't be enforced on Native American soil and if they can bribe their way in there and pay the the you know whatever they need to, to be able mm. to do it they can and they'll have like a, a tribal commission for uh, it's going to be very fucking weird but what goes even far above beyond <laughs> Ah, the guy has literally bought a fucking island <laughs> to run weekly UFC shows. You on know there. who buys islands to run private fights? Bad guys. Yeah, like this is like sh- fucking like I don't know. You expect to see this in like a fucking Street Fighter film, right? Okay, because I can tell you about Dinosauria. <laughs> yeah, okay. Escape so how did this Dinosauria. come Okay, so Escape from Dinosauria is a book by Vincenzo Biloff. Uh, it is about a cage fighting champion called Jamie Rock who goes to a private island with her boyfriend. The island is called Dinosauria Resorts. Uh, it's owned by a millionaire, who of course turns out to be evil. Um, when she gets there, a group of terrorists attack. Uh, and Jamie's stuck in the middle of it. You know, She just wants to kind of get off the island, get a cold beer, like she wants out. Unfortunately, she's um, ends up being mutated into a dinosaur, as do many other people on the island. And it kind of culminates with a bunch of dino mutant cage fights. 
Okay, I was wondering when this is going to circle back to MMA. <laughs> I know, it's a tenuous link, but it's like, you know, UFC owner buys island to run fights. Did make me think of this book. Um, it is batshit. It's completely U- insane. UFC, you know, UFC owner buys island to run fights, mutates fighters into... But yeah, that is the thing. Like, the, yeah. the heroine of this book gets mutated into some kind of... I think she ends up as like a raptor mutant. <laughs> Um, and she's like having to dino cage fight her way to fucking freedom it's it's completely insane so but you should read it okay I mean I'm intrigued (laughs) but um, it sounds batshit it is as bad I'm not I'm underselling it I'm underselling it it sounds equally as batshit as what Dana is actually doing yeah it's It's, it's, it's not that far off I mean it's really reprehensible because he's putting so like obviously there is a risk with doing things like uh, Wrestlemania and any kind of like you know gathering and in like sporting event yeah, of any kind like contact, there's a risk contact, combat, uh, sport. Contact, sport, contact sport combat sport anything yeah. really but there's an even greater risk with MMA and because you've got to bear in mind that you know there's a difference between going out there and doing a wrestling match and then going into a fight camp and going through a weight cut now just the weight cut alone leaves you immunocompromised Mm. when you are drastically cutting weight in such a short period of time like fighters do you are going to impair your immune system during that time which is going to leave them susceptible to picking up COVID-19 and Dana seems to not give a shit now obviously the fighters could say no I'm not going to fight but the thing to understand about a lot of fighters uh, and where they their contracts would differ um, to maybe a, a, a WWE performer, for, for example, is that kind of like independent wrestlers, they only get paid when they fight. Mm. And a lot of them live from fight to fight because, you know, unless you're top of the card, uh, a Conor McGregor, you're not being paid millions and millions yeah. per fight. You're getting a few, you know, 10 grand, maybe 20 grand, maybe 50 grand if you're really lucky. Maybe you know, a bit more if you get a, night, a fight of the night bonus or a knockout bonus. But um, so, you know, like... Of course, these fighters are going to say they're going to fight. Fighters always want to fight. Mm. It doesn't like literally the world could be on fire, being invaded by aliens. If a fight was offered to a fighter, he's going to say, "Yeah, I'll fucking fight," because that's just the mentality. That's yeah. you know, and he can't. You know, I'm not going to fucking blame them for that because it's their living. Of course, they want to do it, and they're passionate, and and they've got a lot of times a family to yeah. support, so they need that money. Um, but it's so fucking irresponsible of Dana to put that on fighters and you know with Dana's mentality if you turn down a fight that's it your position mm. on however how, how you, Dana is going to think less of you if you turn yeah. down a fight that's yeah. just a fact of life um, and the fact that he's going to such lengths and extremes to work around the law and work around the advice of health uh, professionals you know th- you know this social distancing and the reason all these things are being shut down is to try and save lives mm-hmm. and try not overtax he- the health system and try and yeah make things better but yeah Dana's just like no fuck that I need to make money <laughs> Yeah, I want to make money I want to put on my shows and fuck everyone else and I don't care what happens that's basically the attitude he's taking now he's going out there saying oh we're going to take every precaution to make sure they're safe if you're going to take every fucking precaution you're not going to do it yeah exactly that's the first precaution you should be taking. Yeah. So it's it's completely mind-boggling. And I, I now I wonder, is he just going to keep the island afterwards? <laughs> is it just going to be known as UFC Island? Dana Island. 
Like, is that where all UFCs are going to be from now on? Are they going to build a hotel I mean, is complex? Is he there? buying it, or is he? I, I mean, it says buy. I don't it, know. Like... I, like, I don't know the ins and outs of the financial yeah. transaction, but like, all the reports are, he's buying an island, which is just like, I mean, how big is it going to be? Yeah, is there indigenous population there? I mean, surely not if you can buy it. No, I would assume not. But I mean, how you and then you've got the logistics side of things. How are you going to get fighters there? Yeah, you know, like obviously the match was the match was originally the main event for this card was supposed to be Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. Mm. But and this is how fucked it up is. Like when this was all still going on, they were like, okay, no, we'll run it in the United Arab Emirates, and they told Khabib we're going to run it there. So go get there now before travel bans kick in. Mm. He got to the United Arab Emirates, was not allowed to go back in, couldn't go back to the United States. He was like, all right. I'm going to go home to Russia and train. Yeah. And then Russia locked down. So he can't get out. So that fight was off. Mm. And now it's Ferguson. Um, I forget who he's, uh, who stepped up to say they're going to fight. But even then, the, uh, and it sh- would be a good fight under every cir- any other circumstance. Yeah. And it probably still is going to be a good fight. But the circumstances the, the, around it are going to uh, impact how you feel about it, right? And also the, the fighters can't train properly mm. because you know, their coaches are being responsible and respecting social distancing. Yeah. So you've got like Khabib's coach is training him over Skype and he's just doing shadow boxing, which yeah. is not... So none of the fighters are going to be in the true fight condition that mm-hmm. they usually would be for a fight. And God knows, like, you know, we have seen people damn near die from weight cutting without a pandemic yeah, and a deadly yeah. virus going around. So fuck knows what could actually happen here. Yeah. And then you're getting all these people from different parts of the world that may be able to get here for this fight on mm-hmm. this fucking island. And then you're going to send them back. Who knows what kind of cross-contamination, yeah. what exponential... You know, this is this this can have knock-on effects not only for the fighters, but for their families, mm-hmm. for the people that they come into contact with. This It's so reckless and irresponsible and, like... Honest to God, Dana, what the fuck is you? Th- what the, I, I just yeah, I don't I don't understand. Talk about like uh, corporate psychopathy. Yeah, that's you know that is what mm. this is. This is like money at the sake of all else. Yeah, I give yeah. no fucks. Like fucking hyper capitalism. Run amok. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's the that was the last thing we really wanted to touch on the fight scene. I hope you guys enjoyed the rundown of the uh, the the mania card, and it's very different to what you'd normally get from the Rambling Stoners. <laughs> if you guys like it, and we get some good feedback. Like I say, we might end up doing. A, more shows where yeah. we talk about wrestling uh, separate to the Rambling Stoners maybe even a whole new thing we'll see but we're going to take a quick break now and we'll come back and talk through what is a very short story mm-hmm. uh, from Chuck Tingle we'll give you a little bit of background on Chuck Tingle uh, talk about our favourite points in this very 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 <laughs> short story recommend that you go and buy Chuck Tingle books and then uh, yeah. we'll be back over the weekend with the Pungle books so in the meantime we'll be back in a moment we're just going to take a break and uh, speak to you soon bye
and we're back. Um, hope you enjoyed whatever I decided to put in that little interlude there. It may be uh, music from 2001 Space Odyssey slash Ric Flair's entrance music, because mm-hmm. that seems kind of yeah, fitting. Yeah, apropos, yeah. Yeah, uh, apropos. Yeah, fancy. Well, you fancy, <laughs> fancy writer with your words, mm-hmm. all the best words. <laughs> Let's talk about a book. Let's talk about Chuck Tingle. Let's talk about, Let's talk Chuck, about Tingle. Chuck Tingle. Fucking Chuck Tingle. Fucking Chuck Tingle. So, so if you don't know who Chuck Tingle is, I'm going to read his official biography, but understand start. that this only scratches the surface. Hugo Award nominee Dr. Chuck Tingle is an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster, almost black belt, from Billings, Montana. After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage, Chuck found himself fascinated by all things sensual, leading to his creation of The Tingler, a story so blissfully erotic it cannot be experienced without eliciting a sharp tingle down the spine. So, so I'm just like pointing at Naomi wildly saying, like, talking to the <laughs> mic, talking to the mic. So, um, like I say, that really only scratches the surface. You really need to follow Chuck Tingle on social media to understand, and even then not understand, Chuck Tingle. This is a man um, who has cultivated um, a, a persona, yeah. which is so out there, yet so unique and engaging and, and so wholesome in, in a lot of ways yeah, yes yeah, yeah like yeah. A, ma- the guy, a guy a guy who's managed to, to make what is gay erotic the weirdest gay erotic mm. you'll ever find wholesome yeah and positive yeah which is great yeah um and i mean the guy has his own rp game yeah coloring like, books podcast he's a he's all man empire it's amazing um so the original plan was that you me and bungle were all gonna yes. read this book um but as bungle never does his homework it's just you and me yes. but we have both read it uh, yes, we have. In fact, I read it literally because yeah. it's. I mean, it took me like fifteen minutes to read, and I started reading. I read it just before we recorded yeah. the show. So this book, which is available now wherever you buy your eBooks, presumably, is called "Open Wide for the Handsome Sabertooth Dentist Who Is Also a Ghost." <laughs> Shall I read the blurb? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start. Let's yeah. do this professional like. Yeah. <laughs> let's give this man the credence that he deserves. Yeah, deserve. absolutely. Okay. Meepa's mysterious tooth pain is ruining his life, and. Sorry, so, like I forgot already. <laughs> the guy, the the protagonist of this story is called, called Meepa. Yeah, just okay. Carry on. <laughs> Meepa's mysterious tooth pain is ruining his life, and the most frustrating part is that nobody seems to have any idea what's causing it. After his second failed trip to the dentist, Meepa feels like all hope is lost. But when he spots a billboard for Sabretooth Dentistry, it seems like his prayers have been answered. However, it quickly becomes apparent that Sabretooth Dentistry is more than it appears. With a bevy of handsome shirtless dental assistants and a Sabretooth tiger holding a dark secret, Meepa is quickly drawn into a world where a pain in the mouth can only be corrected by a pound in the butt. Because that's science. It is science. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had a so, quick chat before we started the podcast about yeah. what a story is. Yes. So because um, the thing you have to understand about the, the Chuck Tingle work is it's brief. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, you can read one in about it's effectively a, a porno scene. Yeah. It's, it's effectively, you know, you have the setup for the porno, which is like, you know, whatever contrivance it is, the sex scene, the some end. bit of the end. And that's yeah. it. it's porn with a plot. So I would say... With my um, university degree in imaginative writing, the imaginative imaginative writing, writing and not creative writing. No, no, imaginative, it was imaginative writing. writing and was that, it English literature or was it critical theory? 
I can't even fucking remember. That's I'm how like, useful it is. Saying, in imagine, the world. Imaginative writing sounds so fucking new age I bullshit. Know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just say creative writing. It sounds way more legit. Anyway, a story. Yeah. To have a story, you need to establish a status quo. Mm-hmm. You need to disrupt it, mm-hmm. and you need to resolve it. So, in the case of this, the status quo is he has toothache. Meepa has toothache, and he can't get it fixed. He goes to his normal dentist, and his normal dentist is baffled, mm-hmm. and Meepa is in despair because his tooth hurts. So, on upon leaving, uh, so the dentist pushed prescribes him basically painkillers and says, look, look, hopefully this will go away because I can't see anything wrong. Your teeth are perfectly healthy. Your gums are healthy. Um, so on the way out from the dentist, he sees this billboard mentioned in the blurb and he's kind of like, well, you know, what the fuck have I got to lose? Yeah. Um, so, and heads to Sabretooth Dentistry. Now, before we go much further, the one thing I actually have to have to say about like, when I first started reading is actually it's competently written yeah like he's he's yeah. a competent writer this is not just trash that's churned out by some like rank amateur yeah. with no you know he has underst- understanding of like good good sentence structure i mean there was the technicalities there was t- are there the technicalities yeah. are there there's good fundamental writing um you know the character building what limited there is <laughs> is you know like everything feels fleshed out and real for yeah. the very brief period that you're in this world mm. um his um, his like his prose are really good. His descriptions are good. Um, you know, you can quite clearly imagine butt sex in your mind. Absolutely. Um, so let's continue. So he sees the advert for Sabretooth Dentistry and is like, "Yeah, I've got nothing to lose. I'll give it a try." He goes to the dental surgery um, and meets one of the handsome shirtless assistants who gives him a questionnaire <laughs> before they can see the dentist. The questionnaire has, what, three questions? Three questions. Uh, have you had tooth pain before? Do you floss every morning and night? And how cute is your butt? Oh, no, four questions, because the fourth question is, have you, how uh, how oh, frequently like, have you been yeah, pounded yeah, in yeah, the butt? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I just, I highlighted that particular um, <laughs> quote that really made me laugh. <laughs> All right, how cute is your butt? Excuse me, I ask. Not sure if I heard him correctly. Would you say your butt is cute? Keiko presses. What does that have to do with my tooth? <laughs> <laughs> I love that the, the protagonist, Meepa, like he, he goes along with it all, but he is a bit like, is, how is this going to help my tooth? Like that's his primary concern for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so like, as he goes through, he answers the question. He's taken through to see Dr. Tooth. Yeah. Who is a saber tooth? Anthropomorphic saber tooth. A handsome saber tooth tiger. A very large. There's, an, there's another passage before he actually meets Doctor Tooth, though, which again I highlighted because I was just like amazing. I sit down in the dental recliner, my eyes still glued to the organised assortment of tools. It looks as though the tray is full of anal beads and various butt plugs, but that couldn't possibly be the case. Maybe these are used in some prehistoric techniques that I'm not quite familiar with yet. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and then as as, as things happen the 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 the, the saber tooth dentist comes in yep. uh starts performing a, a, a genuine examination yeah, he's like yeah um he asks him does he floss mm-hmm. and he's like so says here that you've not been pounded in the butt very much <laughs> yeah. um yeah have you tried having a dick in your mouth dr tooth us <laughs> Um, but they go through this. They they go through what, what they go through a discussion about like why he's asking about the butt and things. And Doctor Tooth goes on to say, well, you know, everything in the body is connected. You know, you can some people can have a, a pain in their tooth. Like what was the line you you quoted? You you like, it's the best line in the. Is entire it the one story. that ends with it's just science? Yes. Yeah. 
some people can go their entire lives without taking a pounding. Obviously, that sounds like a rather depressing life, but it certainly can be done. Other people stop taking pounds for less than a week, and the next thing you know, they're having problems all over their body. Like in their tooth, I question. Exactly, says the dentist with a nod. I think it's entirely possible the toothache in your mouth is caused by the lack of dicks in your butt. That's just science. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I genuinely want that quote on a t-shirt. I like this. It's it's a holistic approach to medicine, you know? <laughs> Um, so as uh, so as they they as you're saying, we're getting onto the point where like, okay, so he's, he's like, have you had a dick in your mouth? Uh, uh, when was the last time you had a dick in your mouth? And uh, he's like, I don't know, I can't remember. Like, I now basically. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, we'll uh, so the so Doctor Tooth unzips himself, pulls out what? How is his dick described? I don't know if I've got that. I, I probably uh, just huge. In, I mean, huge. I think I think it might have been like splendid or yeah. something. It, it was it was a very very nice dick apparently. Yeah, yeah. And he places it in his mouth. And the the, the what 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 makes this so funny is the the fact that the dentist Doctor Tooth, the anthropomorphic saber tooth dentist, remains so business like throughout <laughs> yeah, the entire so thing. He's so professional. <laughs> so, so like he puts his dicks in his mouth. How does your tooth feel now? And he's like, uh, still like he mumbles through, still hurts. So he starts slowly fucking his face, and he's like, any better? He's like, nope. Keeps going, like really working. He like, like grabs his head and starts properly pounding into his 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 dick into his his face. Eventually down the back of his throat. He's like, any better now? He's like, no. He's like, oh, okay, this is this is a serious case. <laughs> and um, is it next is the the butt plug. Yeah, the, well, the next uh, quote I've got is is just the anal sex. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they move on to talk about like, oh, we think this problem may be originate originating in your butt. Yeah, and the questions arise in that, and the, the amazing quote happens. You're then, <laughs> do you want me to read this? Go. On. <laughs> oh, this makes me laugh so much. Give it to me, I begin to scream, overwhelmed with arousal. Think, Fuck me up the ass like a good saber-toothed dentist. I think we've skipped a fart. Help me with that massive prehistoric dick. We've skipped ahead a bit, so before we get to that point... <laughs> but the line, the final line of that passage... We'll get to it. Oh. We have to take, We have to give this book... The You've crazy. read it more recently than me, so... Yeah, so I, there is... Yeah. So before we get to the point of the full pounding, um, he, said, he, he gets... Uh, Dr. Tooth is like, okay, we need to put something in your butt. So he gets a rather large butt plug and inserts this into... Uh, Meepa's butt uh, and as he puts it in there he's like so do you feel any better and he's like no no and he's like so Dr. Tooth this is a very serious case we're going to have to go all the way um, so he pulls the butt plug back out and then gets into position and oh, enters Meepa and starts kind of slowly fucking him and Meepa's obviously really enjoying it mm-hmm. and then we get to as as things are climaxing and going, uh, <laughs> literally and, and the metaphorically, of, <laughs> reaching the the pin, the apex of of uh, Meepa's in Meepa's dental procedure. <laughs> so okay, I'm I'm gonna have to read the whole thing again. So. Yes, that's fine. Give it to me. I begin to scream, overwhelmed with arousal. Fuck me up the ass like a good saber tooth dentist. Pound me with that massive prehistoric dick. How's your tooth? The dentist asked me. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I mean. That he he remains a consummate professional Absolutely. throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and Meepa's amazed at this point, like as he as he reaches the climax, that his tooth pain is gone. Mm-hmm. It's worked. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's overjoyed, and uh, Doctor Who's like, okay, we best seal it up. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> oh, come, come, like he pulls out of Meepa. He's like, right. 
open your mouth and smile for me. And <laughs> uh, he proceeds to unload into me. And he's like, Meepa goes to kind of clean. He's like, no, no, you need to let it sit for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and then he, I'm, I'm going to go and clean off. Comes back, come, like goes on and, you know, Meepa cleans himself up as well. Leaves feeling very happy and really, really thankful that his dentist was able to figure out yeah. what was wrong. <laughs> I'm so thankful that uh, he goes to go back the next day with like a, a thank you card, yeah. and a little present just like, oh my God, I'm so happy you fixed my tooth. Um, and uh, he shows back up to the building and it's got like the, the surgery's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe like he runs into someone in he like- He sees a man in like a dental uniform. Yeah, yeah. And he, so he asks him like, oh, do you work for Dr. Tooth? Uh, and the guy says, no, I'm, I'm going to a different clinic. Um, so It's he, actually his His original one. clinic, yeah. 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 Uh, you don't work for Dr. Tooth, I ask? The handsome dental assistant shakes his head. The saber-tooth tiger? He's been dead for over 10 years now. That was his clinic right over there. It suddenly hits me. Dr. Tooth has been a phantom this whole time. <laughs> but you know my one of my favourite parts? No one questions... The fact that he, like, it's just, he was an anthropomorphic saber-tooth. Who that, was also a dentist. And that, that, that like, no one bats yeah, an eyelid at that at is, any point. This is a world in which it is completely normal for that to be a thing. Yeah. And for anal sex to be a dentistry treatment. And the method of which space raptors invade Earth. Yeah. And, and which ghosts exist. Yeah. And, I mean, um, so that, that gives you a little, a little insight into the world that is Chuck Tingle. Now, I... I admit, yes, it is gay erotica. This may not be for everyone, but my God, it's the funniest gay erotic <laughs> you'll ever read. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're, uh, you know, some people may not want to read this, may not, but if you're even, even remotely interested, the stories are short. They are funny as fuck. Mm. They are well worth your time. There's to- always a good message. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Like there's, always, you know, it's kind of as silly as the subject matter might be. Everyone's consenting. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone enjoys their poundings. <laughs> like everybody finishes these books in a better place than when they they started <laughs> as characters. What was the name of the book? Because uh, he added a, a free content into the end of this book, which was another short story. Oh, um, something to do with corn on yeah, the cob. Yeah, what the hell is it called? Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, because it, the the title of this novel alone, it, uh, novel short story <laughs> uh, alone, is 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 well worth repeating. But. I was saying it's well worth it. Like if you, if this has made you laugh, uh, 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 made you chuckle, then please do check out and look in like Google Chuck Tingle. Go on. Creamed in the butt by my handsome living corn. There you go. There you go. Um, I mean, I think the book, or the, I say the book, the short story that shot him to problems was uh, Space Raptor Butt Invasion. I think so, yeah. I think I feel like that's the first one that really... Gained notoriety. Yeah, any because notoriety. it sort of came around the time that there was a lot of other like dinosaur erotica, yeah. but it was... I mean, I hesitate to say serious dinosaur erotica, <laughs> but it was... We've talked about this on this podcast before. Yeah, no, so we yeah, know yeah I'm sorry. Then. If I'm on the podcast, we're going to talk about dinosaur erotica. No, I mean, we did it with Mark as yeah, well. That's so true. This, yeah, that's true. Um, this has been a, an undercurrent of this yeah, entire show for <laughs> its entire life. Thing. We just want you all to read dinosaur erotica <laughs> or dinosaur cage fighter books. Yeah. Something uh, with no, dinosaurs no. in Anything with dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like genuinely check out some of uh, like, so like whenever he makes public appearances, he has a, a bag, a paper bag on his head. So you can respect his privacy as a doctor. As a, yeah. as a doctor. I think even if, if you don't fancy the books, then he's really worth following on Twitter or Instagram because he's his posts are just genuinely, if you have like a, a kind of surreal offbeat sense of humor, yeah. I think you'll just get something out of following him on social media. Completely. Yeah. I would definitely agree. Um, I'd also like check out his website, look into like his, his RP stuff, mm-hmm. and his coloring books and like even just go on Amazon and look at the book covers. Yeah, alone. just the, some of the book titles. You know? I, I, they're so much yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and he's got some YouTube. He has a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's some interviews with him on YouTube, which I'd recommend checking out. Um, the guy is like kind of a creative genius in a yeah, way. Like I think he's, so. he's he's yeah. he's managed to find something that is very very niche, but completely has gained a very cult following and stage. And it's we just wanted to share this with those of you yeah. that may have never heard it because it's <laughs> it's something that you know if you're. If you get that kind of humour and you're minding that, it's something that can bring a smile to your day. I think, yeah, definitely. I think it will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that 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 kind of summarises our brief in review of yeah. a Chuck Tingle we've, story. Uh, we've run the gamut from uh, pandemics to anal sex. I don't know if there's anywhere left to go. Uh, home. In any sense. Actually, no, there's nowhere left we're to go because we're all fucking stuck inside, <laughs> damn it. already home. <laughs> no one can go anywhere. So, um, yeah, well, like I say, uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. I know it's been a bit very, very different from our usual affair. Um, uh, you're probably, you know, on the shows going forward, you're probably going to hear a lot more of Naomi because, yeah. you know, we can't go anywhere, do anything else. So this is just something. And hopefully it's providing you with some distraction and some laughs and entertainment while you're, everyone is cooped up inside. Um, like I say, we'll be back uh, just after, we'll be back with another show just after the Easter break uh, with myself and Bungle. Maybe Naomi, we'll see what happens. We'll see what, we'll see what kind of stuff we're going to discuss. No idea what's going to be in the show. It might just be us shooting shit and getting high as usual probably is going to be just us mm-hmm. shooting shit and getting high as usual but we'll probably you know talk a bit more of the pandemic try not to dwell on it too much because we want this to be a little bit of escapism as well yeah. um, maybe talk like cause obviously been playing a lot of computer games so we'll probably talk a bit a bit more gaming um, and yeah we'll, so we'll, we'll be back with that um and in the meantime, hope everybody out there is uh, staying safe. Hope you're all keeping well. Uh, remember to, you know, kind of pay heed to the social distancing laws. You know, keep yourself safe. Wash your hands. You know, do everything that... Listen to health professionals, not Trump. <laughs> Basically, that's my yeah, overriding yeah. message. Don't listen to Trump. Don't listen to Bo- uh, Boris Johnson. These people are morons. Um, don't touch your face. And don't touch your face. Even with a saber-toothed dentist dick. Probably especially with a saber-toothed dentist. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Save that for when social distancing is over. Yes. So we're going to love you and leave you. Um, Hope you've enjoyed the show. And like I said, we'll be back uh, in a few days with uh, back to our our regularly not very scheduled (laughs) broadcast with Bungle. Um, But yeah, you might get some more shows cropping up with just me and Naomi as well as things progress and we'll see how they go. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Stay safe and we'll catch you again soon. Yeah. Take care. Hey guys, just wanted to let you know where you can get in touch with us if you want to give us any feedback. Um, So for myself, you can reach out to me uh, via email at nkw at ramblingstoners.com. You can email me at bungle at ramblingstoners.com. And you can also tweet me at uh, rambling Nero on Twitter. Um, and the same handle again uh, I could be reached at on Instagram at Rambling Nero uh, um, my Instagram is at Rambling Bungle <laughs> oh there you go we're nice and easy to find so uh, yeah do feel free to hit us up and say hello at any time uh, also check out our Facebook page the Ramble- just search Rambling Stoners in Facebook We uh, ping us a message on there we'll always come back to you take care bye bye